There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? You ready? I'm ready, yeah. Oh man, this is so nice. It's so nice. It's very nice. We're in the so same room. Nice. We're yeah. here, Los Angeles. Can you feel the radiation? <laughs> Can you feel the, the the discarded cries of orphans left on the street, their dreams broken? They'll never be a model because they have love handles, oh, which is the exact nice. opposite of what it sounds like yeah. because it's things nobody wants to grab. The and I should know. Yeah. No, the Kissel family, we have notorious love handles. We're a love handle people. Notorious? They're huge. What are you, like, you're, you're like the like, fucking the, the Barrow Gang? I don't know. Are we starting for love handles? Here, oh, yeah. this is it. All We're right. in. Well, this is the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Love Handles Kissel, and we got Marcus Parks over there. Hi. See, you're not a Love Handles person. Not at all. Zabrowski, Henry Zabrowski, you're a Love Handles person also. I would say it's more of like, you remember the straps you have in the subway? I yeah. got love straps. Ooh. <laughs> I'm kind of a love saddle yeah. on my back. If you just if you were to ride my back, you could grip the front of my belly to stay on me as I'm just <laughs> galloping and galloping. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Never-ending story, indeed. Us Parks boys, we don't go out to the side. We go out front. We get a big, yeah. round, outside See, belly. I always wanted that, though. Mm. That's why... You got you know, it now. You know who inspired me? <laughs> you know who inspired me to lose weight, though? Who? The Big Lebowski, the dude. Oh. I always thought he was the perfect kind of fat, but you know what he doesn't have? Love handles. Yeah. <laughs> it's a jealous, hard-working man's fat, where they just get hard in the middle, and yeah. their back doesn't have the, 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 the wings yeah. yes. come out, which is unfortunate if you've never worked a hard day in your life, such as myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Well, now it's time for a total non sequitur segue into our topic today. Yeah. I will say again, I, I'm looking at Marcus's eyes. Mm. Oh, I don't want to nice. say again, massacres are not cool. <laughs> And it's good to be in the same room with you as when you're saying that because I feel the sincerity. Yeah. I I I have changed. You are. Yeah, I don't yeah. think any of the story is badass. <laughs> I don't think that any of the story like makes me want to abandon all structured life and good. just want to just start get a Tommy gun from an old armory. Sure. I don't even know if you can even do that anymore. Can you get a Tommy gun? I think we have much po- more powerful guns now. I, I want the Tommy gun. You can get the Tommy gun, I'm sure. Yeah, you can get a Tommy gun. This is America, my friend. You can get a Tommy gun. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't get an abortion. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. That's, that's a different show altogether. Okay, everyone. We are on to Bonnie and Clyde, part two. So when we last left Bonnie and Clyde, Clyde was fresh out of Easton Prison Farm and had just formed his first real gang with fellow prisoner Ralph Fultz and Raymond Hamilton, who was a guy that Barrow sort of knew but didn't really like. Why does every group of friends have that? Right. <laughs> Why do you have like a guy like who's that guy? It's like is that guy Chris. I thought his name was Sam. Right. I don't know. Is that a, is that a do, do you just need to have a friend that you just hate so you can get the let out mm. on someone every day? I don't know. There's always a good. You need to have a an access valve. Like you need to tell a, a steam release friend yeah. that you can, you can all vent at no matter what and about. 
to yes. keep the, the group as a whole strong. And then hopefully that friend is just constantly so blackout drunk, ironically, it makes him the greatest therapist of all time because he can't tell on you. He can't remember what you said. Now, although this is the story of Bonnie and Clyde, this is also the story of a gang because there were only short periods where Bonnie and Clyde traveled alone and none of their major crimes were committed when it was just the two of them. That's the stuff that I find really interesting. I didn't I didn't truly understand that until I started getting into this 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 era of history mm-hmm. of being like, oh, they always had crews and the crews changed all the time. Yeah. Right. Now the barrel gang will go through many iterations over the following two years. But out of all the criminal gangs operating in America during the Great Depression, the Barrow Gang was small time. Oh. And while the Barrow Gang was lucky to get fifty bucks in a take most of the time, Organizations like the Barker Carpus Gang ran operations that could net over $100,000 in profits, like when they kidnapped the founder of Ham's Brewery in Minnesota. No way. They did not do that. <laughs> and you know that that guy wasn't quiet. He's like, <laughs> As he just like struggled with his suspenders, snapping them at him. Wow. Wow. The only time kidnapping was a huge hassle for the Barkers was when they kidnapped a banker's son named Edward Bremer. And the banker in question tried to haggle the price down <laughs> because he didn't like his son that much. Honestly, that is so... Like, if you're the kidnapped kid, just be like, really? Really, Dad? <laughs> you can't pay 100 bucks? You want you want $97 to you? Holden McNeely would get $75 for ransom from oh, his absolutely. parents. Oh, my God. The, the people who stole Holden McNeely, the people who kidnapped Holden McNeely would pay us to take him back. <laughs> then there was the Bailey Underhill Gang, a.k.a. the Tri-State Terror. Ooh. Ooh, that's the best name yet. It's a great name. They spent six months robbing banks in Arkansas, Kansas, and Oklahoma and averaged about $11,000 per score in 1930s money, which is about $216,000 in today's money. Nice. You also had the Holden Keating Gang, the Hunt Gant Gang. Nah. The, <laughs> the Hunt Gant Gang? Yeah, yeah. It just rolls right <laughs> off the tongue like a stumbling drunk. It's an old game called Hunt the Gant, oh. which is an Ant is a giant ant, oh, and so yeah, it's your my aunt Carol who's almost six feet tall, oh. pushing three hundred pounds. Her going through the forest, and you can always find by like the cascaded fight. It's the the discarded slippers and the and the broken branches in the trees. Honestly, instead of iced tea, if surviving the game was just them hunt, hunting their larger ants, that would be the single greatest film of all time. You had the Kimes Terrell Gang, the Brady Gang, and a particularly rough group of psychopaths known as the Flegel Gang, run by brothers Ralph and Jake Flegel. I feel like having a silly name will make you more dangerous. Yeah, I agree. Or a a hot chick. (laughs) Possibly. I like the name Flegel, though. Flegel's fine. That's fun. Now, there are reasons why these men were forgotten, as opposed to guys like John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Babyface Nelson. And part of it had to do with the fact that none of these guys had a hook. Oh. Dillinger was good looking. Babyface Nelson had a great nickname and was attached to Dillinger, and Pretty Boy Floyd had a great nickname and a great story, which we'll cover in the future. Oh, yeah. Was he actually pretty? You know, I don't... He was fine. But it's really so about... They, no, who's, I just have a question, though. Who is assigning these nicknames? <laughs> is it like one of those things where it's like, I want to be known... Like yesterday on the last room on the left, I was California Ben. Yeah. I made myself California Ben. Did they give themselves these nicknames? Or I did guess. the newspapers do it? I know Babyface Nelson was given his nickname because Babyface Nelson would flip the fuck 
out if you called him babyface. Oh, he didn't like it. Hated it. He's a psychopath. The, all these guys are psychopaths, which is just fun. But I think a part of it, it's more about an attitude and what the kind of the general consensus of society and the collective unconscious decides what your name is. Because it's not that he's pretty. It's like Macho Man Randy Savage, right? Right. I mean, undoubtedly, he is manly. He's yeah. macho. He's macho. But in real life, I'm certain he cried. <laughs> I actually don't know. Apparently, he was kind of col- uh, a colossal pain in the ass. Yeah. That's the overall uh, theory there. But perhaps a big reason why the guys mentioned before are forgotten is because there were just so many fucking gangs mm. roaming America during the Great Depression. And the Barrow Gang would have been one of those forgotten gangs if not for the addition of Bonnie. Yeah, it's like no mm. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt was arrest those losers without Gwen Stefani? Seriously. Now, when Clyde first formed his gang, the only thing he had on his mind was organizing a prison bust at Eastham Farm. But in order to do that, they needed men, and they couldn't recruit more men until they had guns. Now, mm. think about how serious this was. Because uh, because Clyde was a capital art at that prison so hard and committed his first murder there, mm-hmm. it's the only thing he could think of. Mm-hmm. This oh, is going yeah. to be a running theme throughout their entire crime legacy, which is being like, how do we get back to fuck up Easton Prison? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, that's not to say that these guys weren't armed from the very beginning. Back then, fucking everybody in Texas was armed at all times. Yeah. According to Gwen, you could buy small caliber pistols and shotguns on street corners for a few dollars. Oh, like a hot dog. (laughs) Like a hot dog that can kill. Much like an actual hot dog. Nitrates are a real danger. This is what I've been saying to Jackie. You keep telling me to disregard it in terms of Jackie, but the nitrates are going to sink that Molly ship. She needs to be the sausage queen of America. But it's, please, it's hot dog ambassador. Yes, I am sorry. Regional hot dog ambassador. All right, so you're talking about a time where everyone was armed in Texas, which, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, then, of course, after Columbine, when we outlawed all the guns, remember that? So it's so hard to get them nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem with those guns that you bought on the street corner, though, was that they were cheap, and a cheap gun could jam. And if that gun jammed, that could get you killed if you're using it in the commission of a crime. So, in order to get the high-caliber guns needed to organize a prison break, the Barrow Gang needed money. Hmm. And the Barrow Gang's first attempt was a total and complete Failure. Yeah. <laughs> They're not great. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Maybe practice makes perfect, huh? On March 25th, 1932, the Barrow Gang tried to rob the Sims Oil Refinery just a block away from Clyde's father's service station. Mm. They are literally like the House of a Thousand Corpses. The dude who <laughs> enters Captain Spaulding's place in the very beginning, and he's like... What was his name? I forget the dude's name, but he's like, Earl, is that you? Yeah. Earl, I can see you through the mask, yes. Earl. Yes. But after they tied up all four employees, the Barrow Gang found that the safe was completely empty. So, God, how, how fucking man. frustrating is that? They're like, yeah, boys, we got it made, boys. We got it right here. Don't worry about that, boys. We got as much money as we can handle, all right? Crack it, crack it. Just the silence of four men staring at an empty safe. You're like, well... I guess I can always learn how to suck dick. (laughs) (laughs) They're literally like Adam Sandler in Airheads. (laughs) Well, Clyde figured that the next best bet would be to rob a bank up in Minnesota, far away from West Dallas. Yeah, far away from your father? That might be a good idea. (laughs) But the closer to Minnesota they got, the colder it was. And at the last minute, Clyde, talented driver that he was, surmised that trying to escape a bank robbery on icy roads was a really dumb idea. Because Clyde was 
if anything, mm-hmm. a fantastic driver. Okay. He was the second best driver to Paul Walker. And you know what mm-hmm. that shows mm-hmm. is that if you fly too close to the sun, sometimes you fucking kill a bunch of people in the stands. <laughs> you can. You can. Absolutely. R.I.P., by the way. Paul Walker, great actor. Yeah, he was. Was he? He's, he did I good. He was a, he's never handsome. Handsome. All that. I don't know anything. He's a handsome man. I yeah. He was fine in Varsity Blues. He's fine in it. And he also was a good guy. <gasps> so... The Barrow Gang turned back south and settled for a bank in Lawrence, Kansas. So after checking into a hotel and casing the joint for a couple of days, the Barrow Gang rushed the building with shotguns as the bank president was opening for business. Mm. After the president emptied out the vault, Barrow and Fultz locked the staff inside and joined Raymond Hamilton in the getaway car. Although this number's probably exaggerated, Fultz later claimed that they got $33,000 from this robbery, worth about $600,000 in today's money. Woo! That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this runs contrary to what I said earlier about the Barrow Gang being mostly unsuccessful, because even at half that take, even if Fultz was exaggerating, $100,000 per dude's not a bad payday at all. Not at all, no. no. But how they spent the money almost totally negates the amount they stole, for reasons that will become clear later. See, Ralph Foltz knew a crooked pawnbroker in Dupo, Illinois, <laughs> who specialized in high-caliber weaponry and bulletproof vests. Now, of course, everyone knows that the mayor of Dupo, Illinois, was a steam pressure pot. It was, the, it was this little pressure washer with this little pressure cooker pot that they had. They put a little hat on it, and everybody believed in it because he never told a lie. But he also, weirdly, never told a truth because he never... Spoke. No kidding. <laughs> Great mayor. Great mayor. So, Fulton Barrow spent their entire take on weapons for the prison break while Hamilton fucked off to Michigan. Mm. Now, personally, Clyde wasn't that upset because he and Raymond never liked each other all that much. Professionally, though, Clyde was going to find out that without Raymond Hamilton at his side... Clyde Barrow was a really shitty bank robber. Ah. Yeah, dude. It's like you got to put up with the Pippin, man. You got to have you got to have one of those guys who's kind of an asshole. But again, this guy that everybody hates, he's the steam release valve of the entire friendship and the gang, so everybody can bitch about him safely, but he's also the only one who knows what he's doing. Yeah. So then he becomes kind of essential. Yeah. You got to put up with him. But nevertheless, the boys bought 45 caliber pistols, Tommy guns, and bulletproof vests in Dupo and started recruiting. Dude, it's like fucking Dust Bowl ISIS. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, they brought four dudes from Denton into the gang. Johnny Russell, Jack Hammett, Ted Rogers, and Buzz also. Cool. He sounds like one of those experimental plane pilots. Yeah. (laughs) I love those. Those guys were fucking, they had to be very nonchalant. I think they were suicidal. Well, all these dudes had done a little time and were totally down with humiliating the administration at Eastham by organizing a chaotic prison break. And the plan was indeed chaotic. Okay. They figured they'd shoot their way in, give the guards weapons to the inmates, and then get the hell out of there. And every escapee would just be left to his own devices as far as how he was going to get home. Solid plan. <laughs> solid plan. And to make it more chaotic, they were going to drop a bunch of kazoos on the ground. Everyone can pick one up, play a kazoo, have a little fun with it. Guys, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Guys, listen to me. Okay, what if inst- what if we did a thing? Where we released a bunch of pies on springs, and we said, oh, it's a bake tornado. It's a bakery tornado. Uh, Guys? Mm. Guys? 
I'm hungry for key lime pie now. Mm. Remember when was the last time we had that? Huh? About two weeks ago. No kidding. Mabel's. Okay. The only part of the plan that was specific in any way was Clyde's insistence that they get Aubrey Scaly out of there. Scaly being the man who'd taken the heat when Clyde murdered his rapist with a lead pipe. Mm. Well, despite the vagueness of the plan, the new gang, they were gung-ho and rechristened themselves the Lake Dallas Gang in honor of the nearby lake. Okay. But they were about to discover a fatal flaw in the plan. Oh, man. There's no brains in our head. <laughs> oh, there's no brains oh, in there, guys. This is, this is definitely a problem because I am not for sure how I learned to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out... The boys that got fucked in Dupo. Yeah, Uh-oh. a lot of boys got fucked in yeah, Dupo. Gonna, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> when they went out to Lake Dallas to test the new weapons and armor, the gang found the bullets went right through the vests, and most of the guns wouldn't even fire. And that's where they had spent all of their money. Oh, man. Man, you know what? It's never good when your bulletproof vest is a fishnet. You you really want to make sure you got full coverage there. Full coverage. It's very interesting to see, because you are dealing with the criminal world, right? So you don't know whether or not you... How do you find a trustworthy gun runner? Mm-hmm, how right. do you find these people that you can believe that are actually going to help you and it's not a double cross on a double cross and every no. single everybody's wearing a wire and everybody's <laughs> got code words for everything else? <laughs> so, it was back to square one. Oh. But first, Clyde figured they'd need more guys. So, Clyde, Bonnie, and Fultz headed up to Amarillo to try to recruit a few contacts that Fultz had. Now, it's important to note that Fultz, like everyone who ever joined the Barrow Gang, didn't mind having Bonnie come along. Honestly, it's really strange to not have the, like, oh, she's the Yoko of the group yeah. mentality, where it's like they're super, super afraid that in the middle of a, of a bank robbery, she's just start going, <laughs> like a horrible artistic siren. Well, you know, I mean... It's art. Yeah. It's art. That's what that is. And that might actually be a good thing. Like, sometimes when basketball coaches do that crazy thing where they're like, one of our players is going to get down on all fours and bark like a dog to distract <laughs> the other team. This actually has happened a few times. What? And it's worked. Nice. Yeah, so she could have done that. Well, almost everyone who was a part of the Barrow gang at one point or another loved Bonnie because, in their opinion, she was articulate, thoughtful, witty, most times good for morale, and later on, an active participant. Well, I do wish we had a woman involved in this room. I wish there. It is nice to have woman in the gang because you got to have somebody that everybody else doesn't think is gross. <laughs> you can you can put some nipples on my love handles. Yes, indeed. So they had their own Patty Hearst in some ways. Well, she, no, not Patty Hearst because Bonnie was not tricked into coming. She okay. w- it wasn't any sort of uh, kidnapping thing where she like learned to love it. Where she turned like Bonnie was fucking in she from was the beginning. She knew exactly what she was doing, and she knew what she wanted. Okay. But she obviously was at the beginning of a learning curve. Everybody else was already starting to do career criminal behavior, where Clyde kept saying, like, you know, you can get out of this. It's like, you don't have to call him well, man, Bonnie. You don't mm. have to come. And she's just like, come on, Clyde. You know I'm good for it, <laughs> like, And she's, she's just begging for it. And so for a while, you, you just have to be like, I guess you're in the gang. Like, yeah. You have to just do, uh, accept her eventuality. Yes. I do love your really quite adorable interpretation of these mass murderers. <laughs> I, I like them. <laughs> but the trip to Amarillo was a bust, and the gang only found trouble north of Dallas. On the way back, they ran out of gas. And they would have been stuck there if not for a mailman named Bill Owens. Okay. And when Owens stopped to offer help, the gang pulled their guns 
took them hostage, and they all drove off in Owens' car. They let Owens out a little down the road, but Owens had a couple of requests. One, he'd appreciate it if they left him his mailbag, because people yeah, need their mail. they need their mail. I mean, honestly, I've met a lot of postal workers in starting doing this podcast, and I really do believe in the honor of the postal service. <laughs> I love a good mailman. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. they will just dump a bunch of Christmas gifts in a dumpster, which that did happen in New York several years yeah. in a row. I, there's really nothing better than every local news story around Christmas when they just show a bunch of Amazon delivery drivers punching boxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. You learn to hate a box. I get I, it. And also, those Amazon boxes, they're smiling at you. Mm. You're just doing that 13 hours a day. Meanwhile, your kids are out there being like, where are my kids? Where are my kids, Daddy? <laughs> but Owens had one more request. He would also appreciate it if the Barrow Gang would set his car on fire after they were done. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> Why? Because the government would be forced to buy him a new one. <laughs> That's how you fucking work the system, dude. He had an old shitty truck. They took the truck and he's like... I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I wish you could do for me was reverse the effects of Vietnam. <laughs> but since you can't, I want you to set this government truck on fire. You're forced to give me a new one with new bucket seats. Was everyone committing fraud? I mean, they picked up a mailman and he was kidnapped and then he became a felon too. <laughs> well, Glad thought this was funny as hell. Yeah, dude. So he did it. No one's got a new, he got a new car. What are they, it's a fucking jackass? It's, How are we not? it's sweet. This is back when America was free. We could just set fire to a car on the side of the road and not a lot of people were asking a lot of their big nosy questions. Right, yeah. yeah and this is still good times like this is still like they haven't really hurt anybody they're still just kind of running around you know setting cars on fire like <laughs> reckless but they haven't quite hurt anybody just yet hey, yeah. from your this podcast is brought to you by squarespace finding work-life balance can be tough but squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. But still, although the trip north was a fun story, the gang wasn't any closer to breaking anyone out of Eastham. Still, though, the gang moved forward. Now, it wouldn't do to just show up at Eastham without telling anybody, mm. so Bonnie, posed as Aubrey Scaly's cousin, went down for a visit and confirmed the plan with Scaly. So with Scaly on board, the Barrow gang finally figured out that it would probably be better to just steal the guns 
rather than steal money to buy the guns. Yeah, yeah why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, just get the guns. You're trying to get guns, just get the guns, and then have the money just be money. Like, you could see Clyde try and explain it. Yes. Because then if we just get the guns, right, then that's it, right? The guns are like our children, right? You think about it like that. Like, we're stealing a son, we're stealing a daughter, we're stealing a cousin, we're stealing a, another female cousin. All right, but money, money's tickets to take the cousins to the fair. I don't know. I would love to see the, the just really gray fluorescent light bulb that went off in his head where it's just like, I think, I think I have an idea. Well, their target was a hardware store in Kaufman. Now, this isn't as dumb as it sounds. Back then, you could walk into a hardware store in Texas and buy a hammer and a Tommy gun for a few hundred bucks, and there was nary a question asked, much less a background check, which, now that I think about it, Really isn't all that different from what Walmart does now. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you can't get automatics at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I believe one of our good friends got, went to Walmart at like 1 o'clock in the morning, absolutely hammered, and they let him buy a shotgun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it can only hurt those that are close to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <that's> <laughs> but the Barrow Gang, not surprisingly, had planned the hardware store heist badly. Because the, on the night they tried breaking in, the night watchman and Kaufman spotted the gang, set off the alarm, and opened fire. There's uh, also just a lot of people packing heat and just shooting at fucking cars, just doing shit. Yeah. Like, they are just stealing. They're stealing money from. I, I understand that they're stealing from a hardware store and it's it's bad because it hurts local business. But still, at the same time, they don't need to be lit up. <laughs> no, everyone acts. Everyone's acting like the DC sniper. What is going on in this weird wild west world? Oh, well, listen to this. You know, although it was the middle of the night, the alarm woke up the whole town. And the whole town woke up armed and ready to go, dude. Oh, dude. They wear little hat, little light caps. But honestly, this oh. has got to be a scary time. I wonder, I imagine there are still towns in America that are like this, oh, yeah. where le- legitimately, if the bank alarm goes off, people would just emerge from their homes with their guns. But that's just, talk about upping the stakes, yeah. even just for stealing gum or something. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think most people would go to the bank with wheelbarrows, hoping to get some <laughs> of the money. So while the gang was trying to find a route out of town, dodging gunfire the whole time, wow. the police set up a roadblock to choke the highway. So once the gang saw the roadblock, they pulled a U-turn and headed out of town on a country road. And that's what they just dressed up one of the sheriff's deputies as a really pretty lady. Is that what, what was the roadblock exactly? Oh, yeah, the roadblock was just the, the fattest sheriff lying on his side, completely nude, being like, this is the only way they'll stop. And they're like, uh, Jerry, I actually think that we could use these horses. We can use wood partitions. He's like, yeah, I got a wood partition Uh-oh. for you. This is their first real car chase. Yeah. So they're fucking, they rip out. And they said the first thing that was really scary, the first, like, mind-blowing thing that happened is that Clyde just, like, knows how to do the drift. Like, this is the shit that we were talking about before where he fucking just popped a Yui hard in the V8 fucking spraying mud everywhere. It's ah, it's it's very romantic, yes. And at this point, they haven't heard anyone yet. Not yet. Okay. I mean, normally... Clyde Barrow would have been driving a brand new stolen Ford V8, known Mm. as a Model 18. Now, this car, the Ford V8, first released in 1932, was the first to be fit with a flathead V8 engine, which easily made it the fastest and most powerful car on the road. Mm. So while most law officers were piddling around in cars that could barely go 35 miles per hour, Clyde was going 70. Whoa! It's pretty sweet. And I watched some footage of a V8 going through, which is like, you know, you got to have a V8. <laughs> I went and I saw this fucking thing. They're, they are 
wild looking. They're mm-hmm. fun. That must have been so much fun to drive. Yeah. No seatbelts? <laughs> well, that was probably a safety So concern. dangerous. It'll yeah. explode. If it hits yeah. one thing, it just <laughs> right. explodes. What if we make half the engine a bomb? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. But during this robbery in Kaufman, Clyde wasn't driving a V8. He was in a big, heavy Buick. Oh, but he can go through a brick wall in that thing. He can, but the problem was that he was having to go out of town driving on a dirt road, and there'd just been a huge rainstorm. Mm. So the Buick just sunk right down in the mud. Left with no other choice, Clyde, Bonnie, and Fultz took off on foot. At about 1 a.m., the gang came upon a farmhouse and woke up the farmer demanding a car. But the farmer... Didn't have a car. Oh, God. I got ain't none of y'all fancy sunny cars. I got one of these. It's a bit of a country car. It's called an old mule. <laughs> Which is what he gave them. He gave them oh, two mules. Two mules. That's great. <laughs> Who doesn't like that? So the Barrow gang took off on bareback, Bonnie and Clyde on one mule, and Fultz on the other. Think about this fucking amazing. This is their first car chase ever. Guys, don't get numb to this because it is going to happen again and again and again. These guys live at breakneck speed for the next fucking two years. Well, not on the mule. I mean, not on, no, <laughs> definitely on his mule. But their first car chase, fuck, lose the Buick in the mud. Gotta get up. They're all trudging in full suits. Suits <laughs> oh and his dress God. shoes. Bonnie's fully dressed up in her fucking high heels. They're covered in mud. They get a mules, and now they're just on mules, trying to spa- <laughs> just beat the shoes out of these mules, trying to get away from the cops as fast as he really Sounds like they're going to a shed to meet with the baby Jesus or something. What kind of strange journey are they on? Well, at about dawn, they came upon the town of Kemp and hotwired a car that was owned by a doctor named Scarsdale. Mm. But they only drove it about a mile before they ran out of gas. What? You got to check the gas. Check the gauge. But now, with the townsfolk of Kemp on their ass, they had no choice but to hide in the brush. And the gang stayed hidden all day till about five with the townsfolk searching all around them. Oh. Literally 30 people on foot just running after immediately. It's <laughs> oh a cartoon. God. And they're just like pretending to be a mannequin in the store window, <laughs> just like trying to be a bush. Finally, they lost their nerve and made a break for it to a store across the road from where they were hiding. Clyde figured he could hotwire a car before anyone noticed and the gang could be on their way. Because Clyde could hotwire a car in less than five seconds, be in the door, and off. Bonnie should have just said, make sure this one has gas in it, Clyde. (laughs) But the townsfolk were too fast for him. Mm. So Clyde pulled out his gun and started shooting above their heads, hoping to scare him off. But instead of running, the townsfolk fired back and hit Fultz in the arm. Mm. Now Clyde had a decision to make. All three of them had fled to a muddy creek bed, and Clyde knew that he could make it, but only on his own. Tiny Bonnie couldn't keep up, and Fultz was wounded. This is important to remember, because this will happen to us, us three. (laughs) If it does come down to it, and we are pinned down by gunfire, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of us is going to have to make decisions about scrambling for it, and only one of us is the fastest person in 10 feet within 10 feet yeah that's something you've called yourself but but i'm saying so one of us why couldn't all three of us just survive because because you're too slow you're wounded you're wearing heels and a full flapper dress well what happened how did we get there marcus is weighed down by the guns and he's been (laughs) shot four or five times in the cock (laughs) but each inch of his cock has got one bullet in it but his cock so tough from years of weathering and they've all just they lay on top like little bonbons it is quite weathered yes no. I have to go for help okay buddy I mean 
So Clyde made a decision. He left both of his companions behind and decided to fight another day. He jumped out of the creek bed and ran head first at the posse. But Clyde got lucky. Two members of the posse were reloading, and they were so surprised to see Clyde running straight at them that Clyde skated right on by. The posse figured two prisoners was good enough, so they let Clyde go and arrested Bonnie Parker and Ralph Fultz. It's just, but honestly, the last view of Clyde as he's doing his criminal math, looking at Bonnie and Fultz, and Fultz is like, "Oh, I'm fucking earning your man," and Bonnie is just like, oh. "Well, we go until now, Clyde. I hope we go until the department store." And he's just he's staring at them and just being like. I promise I'll be back. <laughs> and then he just wow. runs out of the fucking creek bed. It's got to be very harrowing at that time. Point. Yeah. But he was correct because in the end, who's gonna? someone's got to be on the outside to come back and fucking get you. Sure, sure. I will say it's a big man, a tall man, heavy man. Hmm. Um, a small person running at me is horrifying. <laughs> you, I do not trust small people. Pitter patter. Because you, don't, you never think they'll get anywhere. But no, no, we do. do though. Yeah, we you do. do. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get we get right up on you. You don't know I'm in your little pockets. I know. I'm in there being like looking where the dick is. Oh yeah. Looking where the dick is. <laughs> Strangely aroused. When the local doctor was brought in to treat Ralph's arm, Fultz discovered that doctor's name was Scarsdale. Oh, oh this is brilliant. And it was the doctor that they'd stolen the car from that morning. Oh. And as a result, Scarsdale suddenly forgot his Hippocratic Oath and refused to treat the wound. Ah, what a bitch. Well, you <laughs> it's know, a bitch. It's a bitch move. Yeah, they didn't get far on. with the car. He still had his car. Yeah, it was a half a mile down the road. Yeah, he's fine. So, in other words, the Eastern break had to be put on hold because now Clyde had to rescue Fultz. Jeez. It was decided that the best thing to do with Bonnie, though, was to just let her wait it out because they had a plan. The plan, if Bonnie was ever caught, was to have her put on her best doe-eyed, innocent little girl face and tell the cops that she'd been kidnapped by the horrid Barrow Gang. Okay. And she didn't know nothing about no robberies. I don't know nothing about no robberies, officer, and I don't know how this dress got on me, and I don't know even how I got here, and I don't remember my name. I, I think my name is L- Lonnie? L- Char- Charani? <laughs> so it was down to Clyde to rescue Fultz. Now, Clyde did manage to get a few guns in a burglary done in Salina, Texas with the remaining members of his gang. But in the process, Clyde had accidentally broken into the drugstore next to the hardware store Ah. first. Ah. And for some reason, the mayor was hanging out in the drugstore that night. Wait, hold on. Somewhere. If you're, hey, hey, man, if you're within 15 feet of the, the mayor's mansion, de Blasio goes and just hangs out at the pizza store. He, he exercises at our manager's gym. Oh. So he is around. Sure. All right. Was the guy taking a bunch of lewds or something? What was the mayor doing in there? No idea. Well, Clyde was forced to take him and a few other employees hostage and tie him up in an empty boxcar while he went back to get the guns. Oh, my. So the mayor's been tied up. The mayor's been tied up. This yeah. is a small... Old town crime and he, spree here. And he's got the same. He's got the same mentality as the brewer from Ham's Brewery, where he's just like, <laughs> "I will not stand for something like this." While his his mustache gets all like all fuzzed up. <laughs> oh, he sounds like a cartoon walrus. <laughs> But when Clyde and another member of the gang went out to try a little target practice with the new arsenal, someone called the cops on the gunshots, and the gang was forced to abandon all their new guns. So fuck, good lord. What, why are they so bad at this so far? Oh, and what was more, Jack Hammett and Fuzz Alsop showed up late to target practice. This is and what happens, gets all about showing what, up on time. Yeah, this what? is what happens when you show up late. Because the cops 
were there waiting, and both Jack and Fuzz got arrested. Well, to be fair, if we ever go and shoot off a gun- bunch of guns, I'll be early. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that you'll show up early, too. Hey, buddy. I'm always on... Do I have to quote fucking Gandalf again? <laughs> because I will. I'll take it up the ass, sure. <laughs> no, that's not Gandalf. That's the actor who plays Gandalf. Meanwhile, Bonnie was doing just fine in jail. Members of both her own and of Clyde's family made regular visits. And Cumie even brought Bonnie new shoes and underwear that had been bought by Clyde. Yeah, but she... Aww. That was how she sort of knew that Clyde was planning something, but she also didn't really know. Mm -hmm. She's like sitting there being like, I hope he comes <laughs> because she was because the, they were holding her, waiting her for trial. But they obviously, but the jailers they love it's Bonnie. Yeah. And, uh, well, it seems like everyone loved Bonnie. Um, but now, what kind of underwear are we talking here? We don't have to go into great detail. But we're talking like the granny panty, or it was like a thong. What kind of underwear was wearing? Were, were people wearing back then? Nineteen thirty-two Depression era underwear. Uh. Do they come with with stains <laughs> with, with poo poo streaks? Hey, man, I say they're right. Everybody else is depressed, and everybody around you is depressed. Why make your panties sad? <laughs> but what Bonnie's time in jail is defined by is the collection of poetry that she wrote called Poetry from Life's Other Side. Wow. Aww, yeah, I, I like think that. I've seen live journals and Tumblr pages <laughs> all named this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, admittedly, it's not Byron, but on the other hand, it's not Dennis Rader either. Really, it's just the idle writings of a 21-year-old girl, you know, poems about absent lovers, mm. poems about women growing old before their time, yeah. and especially fantasies about crime. <sighs> but the poem that became somewhat well-known is one called The Story of Suicide Sal. Oh, how'd that story end? <laughs> Over the course of 150 lines, Bonnie, who for some reason put quotation marks around round, random nouns and verbs for reasons <laughs> no one can really figure out, uh, she tells the story of a gun mall jilted by her criminal boyfriend. Mm. And here is a small excerpt. I took the quote-unquote rap like a quote-unquote sportsman. Not even one quote-unquote squawk did I make. <laughs> Jack quote-unquote dropped himself on the quote-unquote promise. We'll make it a quote-unquote sensational break. Well, to shorten a lengthy sad story, five years have gone over my head. Without even as much as a letter, at first I thought he was dead. A short while ago I quote-unquote discovered from a gal in the quote-unquote joint named quote-unquote cake that Jack and his quote-unquote mall had quote-unquote got in a weird bracket. This is in a bracket for some reason, Mary. And he was planning on quote-unquote going straight. Now, if he had returned to me sometime, though he hadn't a penny to give, I'd forget all this quote-unquote hell he has caused me and love him as long as I live. But there's no chance of his ever coming. For he and his quote-unquote maw have no fears, but that I will die in this quote-unquote prison, or else quote-unquote flatten this 50 years. It's just, it's a very real prison. <laughs> you know? It's, I didn't think that it's not any, like, finger quotes, like, prison. Pri no, prison. Like, you know you're, in, you're prison. in prison. No, it is, uh, I don't know, I think it's to denote slang. But prison's prison. not slang. No. And dropped, I don't believe, is slang. No. Dropped Kate, is. And the name Kate, that's not slang. That's just someone's name. Kate could be slang for, a, like, oh, Rachel. like a, a, a bank slip. <laughs> Kate could be, like, slang for something, a like the name this, of a gun. A lot of this is slang, like sensational break, squawk, sportsman, rap, joint, mall, but... 
Discovered is not slang. No. 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 Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Not that bad, though, like you said. It's Definitely better than BTK. It's much better than BTK. No, of it is quote unquote discovered if you just happen upon your wife and a, a man you've hired to make love to your wife oh, that yes. you're watching oh. like through like a closet door. Yeah. Right. I can't believe this happened again. Whoa. I'll just stay here, I guess. Well, here's the thing about Bonnie's jailhouse poetry. Even though she knew all the criminal lingo, it's not like Bonnie's goal in life was to actually be a criminal. Mm. She just wanted to be somebody. And crime just happened to be the door she walked through to get there. Mm. But while Bonnie was writing all this, Clyde Barrow was about to take the first big step into what would make the Barrow gang famous. For the first time, a man was about to die as a direct result of the Barrow Gang's actions. Uh-oh. Now, although a lot of the gang was in jail, Clyde still had to eat. So, he never stopped being a criminal. And Clyde knew another criminal named Butcher, whose parents owned a jewelry and general store. Mm. So, in April of 1932, Clyde and the remaining members of the gang, Ted Rogers and Johnny Russell, figured John Butcher's store was going to be easy pickings. In fact, Clyde scouted the place himself. What he didn't know, though, was that John Butcher's wife recognized him, Mm. but didn't say anything because it was obvious that Clyde was casing the joint. Y'all got any money? Money? (laughs) Yeah, why was he... This is not the first time he's been discovered casing a spot, right? No. So he's just... I honestly do want... What was he doing? Honestly, there is a part of this that's about celebrity and creating a name. Clyde Barrow wanted... The recognition he wanted people to that know the that he was a bank robber. But this was at a time period where the two of them believed that being famous and mattering, quote unquote, to, uh-huh. to be like Bonnie, to, to society was more important than anything else. They were trying to elevate themselves. So Clyde Barrow, he'd get fucking dressed up to the nines to go case the store and in full. Because also, he's better dressed than everybody else. He already stands right. out because yeah. he's wearing the, a hip suit and a fucking nice hat in the middle of the poor fucking place in the world right and so he wanted the eyeballs on him yeah. it's interesting i mean that idea the idea that you can buy freedom with celebrity is uh is it still exists in this country today so oh it's completely were, true were they literally thinking like if we get super famous off of this shit we're just gonna skate because people are gonna like us so much that well we won't get charged no it wasn't uh that the idea of celebrity as we know it today <clears throat> didn't really exist back then they knew the whole time like oh we're gonna die like oh, okay. that, that's just that's just it they did not have any illusions whatsoever about skating or getting off on a light sentence but we'll hmm. we'll cover this again and again throughout this series is that they wanted they they were like we're going to die together. We're going to die doing this. That's how criminals end. But mm. you're also 21. Yeah. Right. So you have a different concept of, like, we're going to do this to the death, where now, as a 35-year-old, I I will cling to this life. I will not go <laughs> gently into the good night. I'll right. be like, don't you kill me! As they're trying to shut off the machines, being like, I can live! I can live! <laughs> well, when it came time to rob the store, Clyde was the getaway driver. So Clyde wasn't actually even in the store when all of this happened. Mm. When Ted and Johnny stuck up the place, though, the robbery was going about as smooth as it could until Butcher opened up the safe. Right next to the jewelry was a gun. And as soon as Butcher went for it, Rogers opened fire and killed him. Yeah. So the two grabbed the loot, 
took off out the door amidst the screams of Butcher's wife mm. and hopped in the car. Clyde took off, and when they accounted for the loot later, they found that John Butcher had died for about 1500 bucks. Oh, my goodness. But in but- the story of uh, Bonnie and Clyde, people would die for a less amount of money, Much including less. the entire gang. And mm. so it, it, this is the beginning of... It's actually more like fucked up tragedy because this is the... This story is one of the first many contested of being like, we don't really know what happened minute by minute. Mm. They know that the uh, there was a gun in the safe and Butcher and Rogers were there together. Mm. They don't know who shot first. They don't know what happened. But that guy was just fucking dead. Oh. And there's a lot of people that, again, there's many ways like the Highwaymen, which I recently tried to watch recently, too, no. which tries to show Clyde and they try to show Bonnie and Clyde as psychopaths. We're just more of just being like, it's just when you strap on the life. All yeah. of the baggage that comes with it comes with it, too. You, you want to live a life of murder and mayhem? It's going to fucking show up for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the Highwaymen, great super group. And if you are yeah. going to go on a crime spree, Silver Stallion, man. Great, <laughs> great song for Silver Stallion on a crime spree. So were they just freaking out? Were they just like, ah, or did this person... Was it calculated, the murder, or no. were they just like, oh, my God, we better be reactionary? The murders were never calculated. Mm-hmm. The murders were always reactionary. Now, that was the end of the Lake Dallas gang. Thing was, though, Ted Rogers didn't get the rap for it. Since Clyde had cased the store, ah. earlier they knew that Clyde was involved, but police didn't have any clue who Ted Rogers was. But Ted Rogers looked eerily like Raymond Hamilton, who, if you'll remember, had fucked off to Michigan months before after the Barrow Gang's only real successful robbery up to that point. Hmm. And as far as the third guy went, the cops just went down the list on Clyde's known associates and blamed Frank Claus, the second story man from the first episode that Clyde really hadn't hung out with since he met Bonnie. Mm. Everybody that was connected to Clyde Barrow, he's like a fucking virus kind of, yeah. right. where everybody got touched. It's, mm. and, and it just spreads because these people were doing casual crime. And they thought that in the end, if you are just robbing little grocery stores... It does sound innocent, and you're getting little pockets here and then. But like when we cover serial murder, it's it has the same sort of escalation. Mm-hmm. Where obviously you're not going to be satisfied with the amount of money you're getting and the, and the amount of risk you're putting yourself mm-hmm. under in order to just get thirty dollars at a go. Right. So as the crimes get more severe, so does the fucking inertia of that chaos that causes more and more bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, and when we said earlier, like, you know, they hadn't hurt anybody yet, like, they hadn't physically hurt anybody yet. I mean, they're still, I mean, having a gun pointed at you and having yeah. your store robbed is not any fun. And then, of course, Clyde would say, like, oh, nice big ankles. You know, he would, he would like, roast people. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. He was fun. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. That was emotional. <laughs> he was really, it's really sad. He goes yeah. to them and be like, I wouldn't fuck that guy with uh, FDR's wife's dick. What? You remember that? Yeah, I remember that joke that he gave. That was ridiculously mean. So a warrant was put out for the arrests of Clyde Barrow, Frank Claus, and Raymond Hamilton for the murder of John Butcher. Even though Frank had been in Dallas, Raymond had been in Michigan, and Clyde had been in the car. Mm. And this marked the beginning of Clyde Barrow's reputation as a killer. So usually, bounty hunters only got rewards of 25 to 50 bucks for murder sudden. For murder suspects, but Clyde had just been paroled by the governor a few months before, and this murder made the governor look really fucking bad. Mm. So, for the murder of John Butcher, the governor placed a bounty of $250 on Clyde's head, ten times the normal amount. 
Man, being a bounty hunter sounds like it's kind of fun. Yeah. I wanted to be one for a while, and then I realized that I'm, like, not a cop. Yeah. But you know what, dude? <laughs> Dog the bounty hunter, he is so small. You could actually... He's, like, your height. No Yeah, way. he's a tiny guy. Yeah. Ooh, that's what I'll do. You should. Yeah, and when you're a bounty hunter, most of it is repossessing cars. Yeah, but that's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, you can light them on fire. <laughs> but the ironic thing about this is that now that Clyde was a suspected murderer, the cops actually came around the Barrow house... Less. Why? See, before it wasn't too much skin off a cop's ass to waste both his and Clyde's time by bringing Clyde in on suspicion of theft because it made it look like the cop was doing actual work instead of just fucking with someone's life. Mm. But now that Clyde was capable of pulling a trigger, that was suddenly too much for the police to handle. They needed more manpower, they needed more effort, and so they just said, nah. Yeah, because you can't, huh. you can't just go and fucking knock on the door and go, like, push him around and check his pockets anymore. Because now you think he's going to show up and he's going to fucking pop you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right from your grave. Right from your grave. Meanwhile, Fultz had been sentenced to another 10 years at Eastham for the robbery in Kaufman. Mm. Making that his third trip to the farm by the time he was 20. That's not fun. No. And as far as how Bonnie was doing, the advice that Fultz and Clyde had given her about what she should do if she was ever caught was turned out to be solid. After listening to her side of the story, a Kaufman grand jury released her. Okay. Like, get the fuck out of here. And on her way out, Bonnie gave a stack of poems to the Kaufman jail janitor's wife, which is why we're able to read those poems today. Oh, She made so that. many friends. She did make a lot of friends. Because <laughs> she was plucky. She was kind of like yeah. Lori Petty. <laughs> Who's Lori Petty? She, Lori, yeah, uh, Kit. Yeah, yeah and uh, Tank Girl. Oh, mm. I love Lori Petty. Yeah, in yeah. a league of our own. Yeah. Yes. Don't swing good. at the high ones. I like the high ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no crying in baseball. In the army now with Polly Shore. Oh, there's no crying in the army. <laughs> yeah, Lori Petty. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But even though life with Clyde had been rough, and even though Clyde had run off and left her in a muddy ditch, Bonnie ran right back into his arms as soon as she could. Why don't you go short? Mm. Meanwhile, <laughs> yes. Yeah, once you, you go, go short, short, you don't abort. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't get sick of that, man. You can't get as sick of a man you could possibly fit entirely inside of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, Raymond Hamilton was returning to West Dallas from Michigan to find out that he was wanted for murder. So what's that now? <laughs> oh, I'm wanted for murder. Oh, 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 really? <laughs> Let's pretend you didn't see me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to walk backwards and we'll say it never happened. But Raymond figured, fuck it, once a criminal, always a criminal, and threw back in with Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, dog. Okay. So the three of them headed up to Wichita Falls and rented an apartment as a base of operations. Wichita Falls, right north of Dallas. A little bit, I mean, it's not a big town, about the size of Abilene, half the size mm-hmm. of Lubbock, but it's big enough. I love I love your humble brag about Texas geography. <laughs> no, like, no one even asked that question. No, and it's and like Marcus is just immediately going into father mode. I, I'm just like, saying, if you're if you're curious about Wichita Falls, I am, I am, I am. Honestly, when we did the meet and greets and and all throughout Texas, everyone has been like, "Hey, Marcus, you ever been to?" Niferton? Oh, no. You're like, oh, yeah, Niferton. That's like 10 miles east of Wilkerton. Yeah. yeah, then it's about 45 miles south of yeah. Malonka. And you don't want to go to Glumperton right now. There's a mumps outbreak. Oh, I heard that. And mumps is actually only 75 miles northeast southwardly of Gleichenstein. And, and funny enough, mumps, uh, the town is actually having a measles outbreak right now. So it's kind of going crazy. Well, if you guys ever want to know how far McGargle 
McGargle is from Electra, then I'll let you know. That's cool. It's just a few miles. McGargle is not a made up name. Just so everyone knows that. It's just a few miles south of Miami. Which is uh, see, it's Miami, all. It is but... the same rambling, directionless monologue. It is insane. I don't know, like, the person who can fit the most marbles in their mouth will name our town. <laughs> McGargle in it is. Dad, don't even get me started on Pampa. Okay, we're not going to talk about Pampa. God I'm, knows. I never noticed that Texas geography is like an unofficial hobby of everyone that lives in Texas. It's just yeah. describing your state. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Wichita Falls, the Barrow Gang began a small series of robberies that usually didn't net more than a few hundred dollars at a time. And really, if the Barrow Gang was willing to live dirt style, that would have been just fine. Oh, dirt. <laughs> Dirt style sounds very uncomfortable. <laughs> nah, man. Dirt style is my fucking lifestyle. I Actually, the, dirt, I've lived he dirt does. Si- yeah, I live dirt style. Yeah. Okay, maybe my mind is going to a darker, more sexual place. No, with that. it's just it showers every other day and wearing pants until they fall apart. That's oh. what he likes. Where okay. I am right. actually, I understand Bonnie and Clyde's. I understand this. I understand the idea of like dressing up yeah. because they came from shit and they yeah, like looking course. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They always insisted on wearing the finest clothes yeah. and they always insisted that every member of the gang look just as good as them. Yeah. But that costs money. Right. Yeah. But after one particularly good take from a robbery at a packing company, Clyde, Raymond, and new gang member Ross Dyer figured they were due for a little boys' night out celebration. Got to, man. Bonnie let him off the fucking chain, man. It's time for Clyde to go out and get them dancing shoes. Okay. So they dropped off Bonnie in West Dallas, piled into their brand new stolen Ford V8, and drove north towards Stringtown, Oklahoma, <laughs> population 900. A whole 900, oh, huh? Wow, wow. <laughs> That's three times bigger than a town I grew up in, so wow. Stringtown's not bad. Wow. So it's big. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big Stringtown. Uh, Stringtown wasn't their intended destination, but as they drove <laughs> through, they couldn't help but hear music coming from the town center. Well, sir, is that gaiety? <laughs> Let us move towards the gaiety, my, my brothers in arms. You have to tap those toes. Turned out, people of Stringtown were having a hoedown at the city pavilion. Really? Yeah, so the gang decided they'd go take part. Now, predictably, the Barrow Gang looked a little out of place in Stringtown, Oklahoma. Mm. Now, this was Dust Bowl country, and suddenly three dudes in their early 20s wearing fancy suits and driving a brand new car were rolling up demanding wildcat whiskey and a dance or two with the local girls. You can just see the record stop like in Animal House when they walk into the African-American bar, the black bar, (laughs) and everyone just, like, stares at them. Oh, yeah, dude. It was like when we walked into... We're... Natalie's grandmother lives in Michigan. It's this tiny, tiny town. And we walked into this locals bar, and it's just like Natalie in leather pants and like a tight, like pentagram thing on her, on her, like, you know, and she's fucking looking hot. I walk in with my like tiny little, my tiny pants right. and my like, yes. my fun West Coast. I've been using the term quote unquote West Coast shirt and hat. Okay. And walking in, it's people just staring at us, being like, so where are you? Th- where are you from? Where are yeah. the fancy people from? Honestly, it's good. Tell them where you're from. Enlighten them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the series, the people that died as a result of the Barrow Gang's actions were not hardened cops or banking bigwigs. They were just regular folk looking for a way to get by. Hmm. And there was no better example of that than under Sheriff Eugene Moore. See, guys like Eugene had no training and were not provided. With any weapons whatsoever. How did they become a sheriff? They just needed bodies. They just needed they just needed bodies. And these guys were paid like by the arrest. By the warrant. Okay. Yeah. And this is the time also, this is in the middle of prohibition, right? Mm -hmm. When when this is happening. So 
they're not necessarily supposed to be drinking, but they turn a blind eye away from these things unless it's a pointed way to pull you over, kind of like the way they, even cops do now, where it's like right. if they if they're gonna if they suspect you or if they need to run your license plate or something like that, and they'll say like there's something wrong with your taillight and pull you over. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Eugene, he was just walking in with a rickety old six shooter because these guys had to provide their own guns, and that's all Eugene had. Mm. And the only reason why the cops were even there at the dance that night was to stop fights. Mm. And the only reason why those cops approached the Barrow gang was because the local boys were about to beat the shit out of them for being assholes. Yeah, dude. They're showing up in all these fancy-ass clothes, dancing with their girlfriends. They have a car that does not belong to them. No. (laughs) It is not their car. And they're drinking everybody's fucking booze. Yeah. All right. But even though the cops didn't know about the butcher charges, those charges were still a pretty fresh memory in the minds of both Clyde Barrow and Raymond Hamilton. Because that incident, that only occurred three months before this. And they also just won the dance-off. <laughs> and they were feeling so upset because Clyde has been like, oh, you ready for this shit? It's about to get brung on. And then he did the first ever b-boy. That's what's actually true. Clyde Barrow was the first ever b-boy to ever exist and he was the first man to do the hip spin. And so he put down the cardboard boxes and he'd be like, what's that? What was that? Like, they're doing, like, weird, like, old-school hip-hop. It was fucking mind-blowing. But it made those country boys really upset. Oh, absolutely. Wasn't it Jesse Spano from Saved by the Bell at the Max who did the sprain? Remember that dance? (laughs) The sprain? Remember that? No. She sprained her leg. Maybe it was Kelly Kapowski. Yeah, it sounds like a Kelly move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just always think of the the stripper movie. Yeah. Oh, striptease. Yes. So... When Sheriff Charlie Maxwell put his foot on the V8's running board to tell the boys that they were under arrest for drinking, Barrow Gang didn't take any chances. And now I have to correct the record. I believe it was Showgirls yeah. we're talking about. Oh, it was Showgirls. It is Showgirls. Striptease was Demi Moore. And Which I also <laughs> think of quite often. Yes, yeah. I know. Oh, I yeah, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. back and to the story, please. Yeah, and Burt Reynolds. And, you know, uh, uh, yeah, that was a career resurgence for him because Boogie Nights came next. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was Especially. great. And then he said no to everything good afterwards, and now he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Did he die? Yeah, he's dead. No kidding. Well, anyways, when the sheriff tried arresting the boys, they opened fire. Mm. The sheriff was knocked to the ground instantly and dropped his gun. But a bystander picked up the gun immediately and took up the job of opening fire on the gang. That's it's, awesome. It's like losing the ball in football. <laughs> yeah. So he's just the sheriff now? It seems like they're just like, whoever has the gun is the sheriff. I'm the sheriff. No. <laughs> You're the dog now, man. <laughs> so Clyde tried taking off but got flustered and overturned the car after driving over a culvert. Because he was also... Probably drunk as well. Oh, yeah. Because Clyde, that was the thing about Clyde, though, is that Clyde usually didn't drink mm. because he always wanted to be on his guard. Right. And it was probably because of this incident right here. I think that this mm. was the defining moment for Clyde Barrow where yeah. he realized that there's no more fun in games. Mm-hmm. You actually can't go back to being a normal 20-year-old mm. anymore after being wanted for murder. Yeah. Mm. So the three barreled out of the car and started firing towards their pursuers and ended up fatally shooting under Sheriff Eugene Moore. Mm. Sheriff Maxwell was saved only by a bootlegger who poured whiskey into the wound. This is a miracle! It's a miracle! I'm drunk and I'm alive! The sheriff had been shot six times. And this is why I want to say to anybody that that tries to tell us about our drinking, quote-unquote, to be Bonnie, problems. Uh Uh Sometimes it's the only solution. It's medicine 
for my guts. No, they didn't drink. He didn't put the whiskey in his mouth. He poured the whiskey on the wounds to sterilize. But that's a waste. <laughs> no, no, because that goes right into the bloodstream. That, oh, actually, that no, might be the best that's way to do it. Better, yeah. yeah. Well, it was at this point that Clyde Barrow was what you might call irrevocably and irretrievably fucked. Ah. See, before, he might have been able to play down the butcher murder because he'd just been the driver. But now, multiple witnesses had Clyde Barrow pointing a gun at a police officer, pulling the trigger, and killing him. And damn near killing a second cop in the process. Okay. And Clyde was now permanently on the run if he didn't want to ride the lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Like, again, to talk about serial killing, would you kind of create an atmosphere of validation for yourself Mm. where something was going to happen to make sure... That he stayed in. Yeah. It seems like he wanted this in a in a way, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing is about Bonnie and Clyde, though, is that they didn't have a death wish. They didn't actually want to die. Mm. Clyde just knew that he'd rather die than go to prison, and Bonnie would rather die than be without Clyde. Oh, True love. Kind of, but sad. Or extreme codependency. You yeah, could say you that. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that to happen. You can be happy, too. Well, anyway, Bonnie seemed to kind of like it. After the gang returned to West Dallas, where Bonnie had been staying with her mother, it was Bonnie who took the lead on planning out where the gang should run to next. Oh, yeah. It's always a match made in heaven when your significant other's like, let me smell the gun <laughs> as soon as you get home to make sure that you fired it to kill someone. They yeah. got to be into what makes you you. That's a part so. of it. Is That's that true. It, you know, I I married Natalie because of a mutual love for aliens. That did yeah, what that no, is what helps because you have to love they have to love the thing that normally makes other people repelled from you. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. Well, in Bonnie's mind, the murder of Eugene Moore was not Clyde's fault. Oh, why not? How yeah. not? Okay. How not? Well, in Bonnie's mind, if the cops hadn't been hassling Clyde, then he wouldn't have been quote unquote forced to shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. in Jeff Gwynn's words, Bonnie was an enabler. Oh. Yeah. And it was Bonnie who suggested that the gang go to New Mexico after the murder in Stringtown to wait out some of the heat. Mm. And this is objectively a smart move because the Barrow gang hadn't done any crimes in New Mexico. They weren't wanted in New Mexico. And the Texas cops and the New Mexico cops famously didn't get along together. They didn't talk to each other at all. And honestly... In New Mexico, they're just like par for the course. <laughs> you know, I would assume there's a, cr- a criminal element in ni- 1930s New Mexico that was yeah. stronger than them. Oh, yeah. So Clyde drove Bonnie and Raymond Hamilton 470 miles in one day to Carlsbad, New Mexico, oh. just wearing his socks as he drove. Because that's how he always drove. Because <laughs> yeah. he had cut off two of his toes in Eastern, remember? <laughs> yeah, so his foot hurts. His foot hurts all the time. <laughs> oh, God. So it's like the scene in The Big Lebowski when you pan down and you just see her missing foot. Or yeah. You see actually both of her. She actually didn't have a missing toe, yeah, did she? Yeah. Okay. Well, they arrived at the home of Bonnie's aunt, a woman named Millie Stamps. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> Turns out, though, this was actually a bad move. Oh. Bonnie didn't know her aunt too well, and Millie Stamps was immediately suspicious of Bonnie and her flashy new quote-unquote husband, who was quite vague on where he got the money to pay for a new Ford V8 and a bunch of fancy-ass clothes. Mm. That must have been exciting, though, when they pulled in. Yeah. Because they got that cool-ass new car, and they're all fucking super handsome, and, but the problem is that when you just kind of, like, know... It's, it's sort of like when you meet a bunch of people that are, like, definitely on meth, but for a second, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Millie Stamps called the cops on her own niece. Aww, I don't know if that's appropriate. No, but. but when the cops showed up at the house, Bonnie and Clyde got the drop on the lawman who'd been set, sent to check out the report. But perhaps learning a lesson from Stringtown, 
Clyde didn't kill him. Okay. See, by this point, Clyde had two murders attached to him, and there were many, many more to come. Mm. But Bonnie and Clyde never looked for a fight, nor were they the trigger-happy psychopathic murderers like they're portrayed in that god-awful Netflix movie, The Highwayman. Mm. Which, it's fine as a grizzled old cop story, but really, it is a lawman circle jerk with Mm. just about as many, if not more inaccuracies than the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde movie. It's just from the other perspective. But Natural Born Killers, that was also based off of them, kind of, was it Natural Born Killers? Yeah, Natural Born, I mean, they also brought in like the Charles Starkweather and Caroline Fugit and a a few other uh, couple murderers, but yeah, I mean, Natural Born Killers took a lot from uh, Bonnie and Clyde. And that's right. the funny thing is that Woody Harrelson played the Clyde character in that movie and yet played a cop in The Highwayman. That is the funniest thing! It is interesting because I do think that the 1967 Bonnie and Clyde, the big Bonnie and Clyde movie, for me, nails a lot of more of the tone mm. of yeah. their life. Yeah, it really does. And The Highwayman really just plants them as uh, straight up murderous psychopaths okay uh and it's yeah it's don't it's a fine movie but it is not even close to historically accurate and we'll get into the ways that it's not historically accurate when it comes to frank hamer in episode three all right so impossible bonnie and clyde took hostages and this was exactly what they did with eddie county deputy joe johns Bonnie and Clyde's own guns were in the trunk of their car when the cop pulled up, but luckily for them, Millie Stamps kept a shotgun in the closet. Of course. So, Deputy Johns was held at gunpoint and got forced into the Barrow's car, and they all headed back to Texas, presumably because they didn't know where else to go, because Bonnie and Clyde always went back to Texas eventually. Hmm. There's something about, it's either the loyalty to the state or just straight up, they just knew it so much from driving from town to town to town but think about that man you just drove 470 miles and then you just drive 470 miles back yeah in a four in a 1932 ford v8 going 75 miles per hour because it's the only way clyde traveled it was either top speed or they were on a mule covered (laughs) in mud Well, the thing was, though, a headless corpse was found 90 miles outside of El Paso just a few hours after it was discovered that Johns was kidnapped. And it was assumed that Clyde had just blown the poor fucker's head off and dumped him out on the road. Hmm. Turns out, totally unrelated corpse. Ah, oh, a random corpse. <laughs> a random corpse? Oh, yeah. Always have one yeah. of those. Yeah. What was happening in, in America at this time? It was fucking awful. I see. Crime was everywhere. <laughs> like, ah, there okay. was shit just... I mean, yeah, crime was absolutely everywhere. I mean, and still, like, this is not too far removed from the Old West. Like, think Mm -hmm. about it this way. This is 1932. The Old West was as far removed from them as, say, the release of Nevermind is from us. Oh, it's classic rock? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really really not that long. It really wasn't that long ago for them. And there was a lot of hangover from Mm -hmm. that. Well, the thing is about Johns is that he was still in the car with Bonnie, Clyde, and Raymond. He was helpfully giving road directions. He was telling, like, hey, you don't want to go through Odessa. You want to go around like this way. We go through Odessa, then you're there's going to be some cops. I think it's up. just also the southern love of backseat driving. I love it. Also, don't forget, Glumpington does have a mumps outbreak right now, so be very careful. You know now, that mumps is actually... Now, if you wanna, you're going to hit La Mesa if you want to go up this direction, but if you want to go south, 
south and you're gonna hit you're gonna go right through midland and you don't want to do that you will let yourself be kidnapped just to be a map (laughs) (laughs) well eventually they let john's out in san antonio but by the time john's got to a phone the barrow gang had already stolen the new v8 in victoria and were well on their way to houston but still word had gotten out that they were headed that way so a lawman set up a roadblock in wharton Ooh. Well, as soon as Clyde saw it, though, he pulled one of his trademark on-a-dime U-turns mm. and sped off in the other direction faster than the cops could catch him. Woo! And the next day, all three of them had their names blasting out from the front page. And for the first time, Bonnie Parker had her name in print, even though it was attached to two murders, a robbery, and a kidnapping. But still, she found that she fucking loved it. Yeah, Just- dude. She thought it was hot. Like yeah. she thought this that was a part of this is that that the same thing with Clyde Barrow. That's what we talked about before, why she wasn't upset when she found out that he was connected to a murder is that she loved every bit of it. Mm-hmm. She was uh, she was on board. Right. Yeah. So we had Silver Stallion playing during the road trips. And now I think we're listening to David Bowie's fame. <laughs> I think they're just they're, they, they must really they, like they're, they're, they're not thrilled. even they're, they're not like, even there yet. Dude. No, they're, they're not even close to being there yet. Oh, right really? now they're just names in the newspaper. OK. After that, the Barrow gang upped the ante. After driving back to the Dallas area, Clyde broke into the State Guard Armory in Fort Worth. He broke into a fucking armory? Yeah. yeah. That's the most dangerous thing to break into. No, not, not at all. Listen to this. Okay. I mean, for the first time, these guys got their hands on a few Browning automatic rifles, mm. which would become a Barrow gang trademark. Now, these armories are a curious thing. Back then, most towns of, you know, reasonable size in Texas had armories filled with high-caliber rifles, Hmm. but they were only for use by citizen militias, just in case, like, (laughs) Mexico decided to take back Texas or something. So Texas did the version of the Israel Israel Keys hit kit, but just for themselves. (laughs) They just left sheds of fucking automatic rifles. Huge sheds full of extremely powerful automatic rifles okay uh the police had no access whatsoever to these guns and could only get a hold of them after going through miles of red tape but bonnie and clyde could get a whole arsenal with little more effort than what they put into a drugstore burglary wow now to give you an idea of the difference in firepower when it came to what bonnie and clyde had versus what the cops were carrying Take a listen to a couple of shots fired by a 38 special handgun, which is what most of the cops had. It's, yeah, it's pot shots. Yeah, I heard those yeah. last night in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> now listen to a brown automatic rifle, otherwise known as a BAR, which is what the Barrow Gang had. know which gun I would prefer to have. <laughs> uh, it was at this point... That- oh! Jeez! All of us, by the way, for those listening, instinctually just dodged like, a fake bullet that I know for a fact was coming from your computer, but I, all of us just ducked. <laughs> no, it was at this point that things got a little too hot for Raymond Hamilton. Now, he considered himself a gentleman bank robber, <laughs> and he knew that when Bonnie and Clyde got a hold of the BARs, there was only bloodshed in their future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, because now they can, they can fucking bust more fucking guts. This yeah. thing is a—because a, nobody else fucking had them, 
that just shot it right up the the fucking the stakes go up huge when you pull out a fucking BAR. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hence the domestic arms race that <laughs> uh, that is our civilian and cops arsenal of guns you know really I, I was thinking about it this is kind of the beginning of that yeah because all the cops didn't have jack shit uh but the criminals had like the cops had slow cars and tiny guns yeah the the criminals had the fastest cars on the road and the guns that the uh army ended up using in world war ii well hell man even that bank robbery in uh, in la with mm-hmm. the two dudes head to toe like human furnaces yeah the cops had to go to the store and buy the guns <laughs> yeah dude. they're like oh shit they got much stronger guns, and that was what early nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a middle ground to yeah, be of found course, here. Of yeah, course. yeah. No, my small town of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, doesn't need a fucking tank. They no, don't they need just a tank. One. My little brother just told me they bought a tank. Another tank? Nothing has happened in Stevens Point. <laughs> there was one murder in a paper mill because a guy ratted out his partners for stealing electrical wire. <laughs> <laughs> but after Hamilton left. Bonnie and Clyde actually began a bit of a golden age because without a gang, they couldn't really pull off any big jobs. They still robbed small torns and small. They still robbed small stores and gas stations, and they still had to haul ass across state lines to escape the cops. But this time in their lives was more of a cross-country vacation funded by petty crime. Aww. This is one of the very few good points in this story where they are really living this outlaw dream, where yeah. they, they see it. Mm. They, are, they are living hand-to-mouth, stealing when they needed to, relaxing when they can, partying, fucking having yeah. sex, living on the road. It's fucking... Kind of, it's just kind it's a, of fun sounding. It's a little romantic. They're living hand to mouth, of course, butt to mouth. I'm sure um, on Sunday, <laughs> I, I'm sure on some wild nights they're doing some fun stuff. And they were really in love here. Yeah. Okay. Well, they made it as far away as the Great Lakes in Chicago, but it was in Illinois that Clyde fucked up and left a pill bottle with his name on it in a car that had been stolen from Oklahoma. No, you can't do that. Crossing no. state lines. And with this, Clyde could officially be charged with the federal crime of car theft. Now, surprisingly, bank robbery and murder were state crimes, meaning Bonnie and Clyde could hop across a state border during a chase, and the cop chasing him would be left on the side of the road stomping up and down on his hat. (laughs) This was such a crazy time where you could literally just, like, jump across the border and be like, can't get me. (laughs) But now, Bonnie and Clyde were on the radar of the Justice Department, particularly the Division of Investigation that was at that time headed by none other than J. Edgar Hoover. If we did a, a real thing about cops, it's hard because J. Edgar Hoover, I wish that he had more overt crime so we could actually cover him, but the ambition that he had, I thought it was really interesting, a little bit of what Jeff Gwynn kind of hints at, about like how the idea of federal cops hadn't happened yet. Not at all. And mm. so J. Edgar Hoover like thought this up in his head, like we're going to make this happen. And Bonnie and Clyde actually became one of the bigger cases that allowed for the creation of the FBI. Interesting. Okay. But Bonnie and Clyde at this time were still small fries when compared to Pretty Boy Floyd, John Dillinger, and the Barker gang. So this switchover didn't really matter yet, but it did signify the crossing of another criminal line for Clyde Barrow. Mm. 
But during this time, Bonnie and Clyde never stayed more than a night or two in the same location, and usually stayed in motels or motor courts for about a dollar a day. Mm. When they couldn't find a motor court, Bonnie and Clyde sometimes knocked on a farmer's door and asked if they could just stay the night, usually slipping the host a couple of bucks for their troubles. And it was also at this time where um, Clyde discovered how funny it is to pull off an upper decker <laughs> when you poop in the tank. Yeah, the yeah. So he was really, he was kind of escalating there. <laughs> and nobody asked questions, you know, partly because, you know, staying at a stranger's house was just kind of like American custom during you, the Great Depression. Absolutely. I mean, Airbnb, do you really question the people who stay at your Airbnb? Probably not. No. no. Well, no, you you could read reviews of people. You, you should. You should yeah. just let people randomly stay in your house. But at this time, it was hmm. a little more innocent. But now in, in Europe, it's a little bit similar. Mm-hmm. In Italia, you can go from town to town, and they give you zuppa, and they give you yeah. spaghetti. You just have to find the right <laughs> nonaria to go to. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it was also partly because people just were looking to take whatever they could get. I mean, again, cannot stress enough how important the Great Depression was to this story. I mean, people like, you know, someone shows up and says, I'll give you $5 to let us stay the night. Yeah. $5 is huge. And then, of course, you can be like, can I watch? <laughs> is it okay if I watch? Yeah, old man, but I don't want to hear you robbing, all right? I just, well, you can, you can watch. See me do my short man magic. <laughs> <laughs> but then other people let Bonnie and Clyde stay just because they like sticking it to the man. Right. You know, there was these a couple of these outlaws out there robbing banks, saying fuck you to society. And to some people, that was really attractive. Okay. Of course, because everybody wanted to say fuck you to the fucking banks because yeah. everything was falling apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. from your grave. From your grave. Well, if there wasn't anywhere to stay, Bonnie and Clyde just pulled over into some thick brush and slept in their car overnight. Oh, romantic. Yeah, but no matter what, they always dressed in clean clothes during this time. They'd sometimes even drop their wardrobe off at a dry cleaner's and wait in the countryside for a few days until their clothes were ready. I totally get this. Yeah. I totally get why they did this. It is about branding they understood that <laughs> they about did. themselves and what it is that they wanted from life were they just like adam and eve just naked with fig leaves to cover up their <laughs> private parts when they didn't have any clothes no they just had their shitty clothes and then they had our, our good going out clothes okay and of course they'd come back to west dallas as often as they could on halloween in 1932 clyde as had become the custom threw a coke bottle out the window of his car into his parents' front yard. Inside the bottle was a note telling his mother where and when they should all meet for a joint Barrow Parker family get-together. Okay. They did this dozens of times over their two-year crime spree, and only once did they ever come close to getting caught. Even when there were thousands of cops looking specifically for them, they would still come back to West Dallas to visit their family. Wow. They just loved the connection. Mm-hmm. And also, they would come in, uh, as time would go, on, on fat times, they would come and bring them cash and money. Mm. Lean times, there was really only one specific lean time, the two families would give shit to Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this was not one of the times that they almost got caught. However, Clyde did find out that the cops had pinned a murder in Sherman, Texas on him and Bonnie, as well as a holdup at a Piggly Wiggly in Abilene, <gasps> Texas. No, yeah. we said no Piggly Wigglies. <laughs> I said that on the last episode. That is your, that's your contingent for our game. Well, this is the beginning of the end for my like, for my like of Bonnie and Clyde. They're gone. No, they didn't rob the they Piggly didn't. Wiggly. They got oh, pinned okay. on them. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're back in my good graces. Yeah. No one should steal from Piggly Wiggly for crying out loud. Oh yeah, murder's fine, but uh, fucking rob a 
Piggly Wiggly, and all of a sudden, you're the devil. Okay, well, I didn't realize that free speech jail was open for both of us <laughs> yep. tonight. Welcome to the cell next to me. It's you, me, Sirhan, Sirhan, and it's okay. wonderful. And there's no rehab in here. <laughs> well, Bonnie and Clyde hadn't been anywhere near Sherman or Abilene, but there was... But this was just the beginning of the law and journalists pinning whatever crime they couldn't solve on Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. And despite Bonnie and Clyde's weak protest to the contrary, they loved this shit. Mm. Most every time they abandoned a car, cops would find the floorboards littered with newspaper clippings that mentioned Bonnie and Clyde's names. Mm. Think about it. If you want to be an actor... And you finally get it in newspapers. This is huge for Bonnie. Because mm-hmm. in the end, it's like, you know, it's like there's no such thing as bad publicity. At the time, they mm-hmm. thought like, you know, maybe at some point, maybe we won't die, die. Yeah. Right. But maybe we can live in infamy like as a legend here and then go to Mexico or go to Canada and live there. And just again to clarify, if you want to see your name in print... Find an alien. You want to get on this show? You find us an alien, and we will cover it. You also can very easily write a self-published book for Amazon. Yeah, you can. Sure. Well, the thing was, the Texas press needed this. Mm. See, what newspapers were starting to figure out during the Great Depression was just how much they have been leaning on advertising dollars for all the years previous. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like why they almost kind of put a president into position because of how many ad dollars it lent towards that we're in the middle of right now. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So, when businesses started closing left and right, ad revenue dropped, and newspapers had to make up the difference in circulation. (gasps) And since everybody had just about had enough, the stories about bull weevils and dust bowls and depressions... Boring. It's literally stories about dirt. (laughs) It's good. That's compelling stuff. And the bow weevil, it's more of a beetle, apparently. Uh, It's more of a beetle than a locust, huh? Yeah, it's more Uh. of a beetle. But it makes a noise like a locust. That's just, it's all just, it's bugs. It's bugs. It, it yeah, is it's, bugs. It's bugs. Sorry, I don't know a lot about bugs. Fuck no, you, Marcus. Bo weevils are like little, they're like little, uh, what, yeah, it just sounds like they're wearing overalls. Yeah, That's it's, a, yeah, cute. To, it's to bug the fuck shit up. That's all yeah. I know. Whoa, he got Marcus mad. <laughs> well, since everybody was tired of hearing about all that shit, Bonnie and Clyde became the number one story in Texas. Awesome. And newspapers found that the more colorful they made Bonnie and Clyde, Mm. the more papers they'd sell. So crimes were embellished, narrative license was taken more than a few times when it came to how the murders went down, and legend was born. Mm. Predictably, all this press was probably somewhat responsible for the formation of Clyde's new gang. See, now Clyde had a reputation to consider now, and it wouldn't do to just keep knocking off stores and gas stations. It's weird how that really did factor in, right. where Clyde Barrow realized that he's like, well, according to the papers, I'm now a legendary criminal, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I must get a gang together, and I got to live up to these expectations, right. because if not, like, he's just some kind of fart in the wind. Mm-hmm. So, All we are is farts in the wind. <laughs> I love that song. Beautiful voice, almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I have a great talking voice, horrible singing voice. Yeah, well, you just got to work on your diaphragm. Thank you. Yeah, you, I've seen you've been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not emotionally well right now, but thank you for the. Thank you. No, I'm just joking. I'm doing great. So, Clyde recruited Hollis Hale and Frank Hardy into the third iteration of the Barrow Gang and set about on the business of robbing banks. Mm. But it turned out. 
Bonnie and Clyde couldn't live up to the hype. Oh. Their first job was a bank in Missouri, but when they pulled out their guns and told the tellers to give them everything they had, Bonnie and Clyde were informed by the teller that there was nothing to steal because the bank had failed a few days previous. It'd be kind of awesome to see was just like, all right, now give me all you got. And he just looked around, no money, and just being like, Moving on, the gang then tried the Farmers and Miners Bank in Orinogo, Missouri. Orinogo? I guess it's Orinogo. It might be Orinago. I don't know. They'll let us know. (laughs) I like Orinago. That sounds fancy. It is sounds (laughs) like a a resort in the beautiful of in the middle of beautiful Missouri. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) This time, the failure rested solely with the gang. Since the first bank had failed, Clyde sent Bonnie ahead to do a little reconnaissance on the Farmers and Miners Bank. Mm. This this next bit is very interesting. I didn't know any of this shit. Yeah. Well, back then, it was socially unacceptable for a woman to even enter a bank without a man, Hmm. even if she had business. So a woman just wandering around a bank aimlessly attracted even more attention. Hi, boss. Colton Tell, if you're paying attention to me or not. (laughs) Ooh, is this pen on a chain? (laughs) (laughs) Bonnie and Clyde hadn't had a bank account in their life Uh. and probably had never stepped foot in a bank if they weren't robbing it. So while Bonnie lottie-dawed around the lobby, the tellers (laughs) took notice. Caught and help and notice how thin my butt is, huh? It's the style of the time. Oh, is this a pen on a chain? I can't believe you have three of these. So by the time the gang showed up, the teller was ready with a pistol. Mm. And even though the gang had BAR rifles, those rifles were no match for the teller's lead-lined bulletproof counter. Which is also just like the half-life of the lead, just shooting its (laughs) poison all over everything. And furthermore, as soon as the gang walked in, the teller pulled the alarm, and pretty soon everyone Orinogo who owned a gun was out on the streets opening fire. It's gotta be, again, it's gotta be a blast. This is like, we get to shoot! We get to shoot! It's It's like like Deadwood. Yeah, it's crazy. The gang only got out with about a hundred bucks, which that wasn't even enough for the townsfolk to chase after. Wow. Now, the two new members of the gang, Hale and Hardy, were disappointed to say the least. Absolutely. Oh. So they went on to make that soup chain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Controversial soup, by the way. Not very good. Well, they thought that they had hitched their wagons to criminal masterminds who were going to be pulling off Barker gang-sized heists of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. But what none of these idiots knew was that those huge heists required entire criminal networks of colluding bank officers, paid-off police, Mm. and weeks, if not months, of advanced planning. They didn't just show up and say, give me the money. But it's interesting is that they had the same idea of criminals from what they've read in the newspapers. Yeah. So that's that as far as they knew. They didn't actually have the connections. They didn't grow up in gangland. They didn't understand that you literally had to put money in the pocket of the police in order to... It was an investment. Mm -hmm. It was a part of your business expenditures where you had to give some to the police. You had to give them their their vig. You had to pay the guy for the safe house. You got to pay the criminal doctor. This is... It takes fucking money to be a criminal. It reminds me of another short man who said, give me the money. Show me that money. <laughs> give it to me now. Oh, give me the money G- now. Give me that money. I love that movie. Love that movie <laughs> called Give Me the Money Now. Give me that money now. <laughs> and here Hale and Hardy were with the infamous Bonnie and Clyde, who were getting just as many headlines as the big boys, and were getting just as much heat. Mm. But they'd only been able to get about a hundred bucks between them after two high-risk, 
high heat robberies. They're getting none of the reward. They're getting all the risk, no reward. Yeah. Exactly. Come on. So, as the just born gang were all hiding out in the countryside after Ornogo, Hardy and Hale told Bonnie and Clyde, hey, we're just going to go into town and get some more bullets. We'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, we're all out of we're all out of bullets. And also, I was thinking about making ooh a nice cream of barley, I think, would be absolutely incredible. You get some of the grains in there, big chunks of visible meat. Mm. And then we could put it in airports all over Ooh. the world. <laughs> Nothing better than having a tummy full of bad soup before you fly. <laughs> so you can feel it jiggling around in there. Then your belly's the kitchen. Yeah, I don't like having soup before going on a plane. I like making soup with beer and a hamburger. <laughs> Barney mm. Clyde. Never saw Hale and Hardy ever again. Oh. They just took off. And they left Bonnie and Clyde with $25. <laughs> and one thing you might be asking yourself is why the Barrow Gang always strayed so far away from Texas when they went out to rob banks. And while I don't know for sure if this right here is the reason, it was probably at least on their minds. See, back in the early 1900s, bank robbery was mostly a job that was reserved for hobos and yeggs, which Uh-oh. I found out a yegg was also slang for a safecracker as well as slang for a hobo's sex boy, as it was defined in our Carl Panzram series. It's yes. more that the hobo is cracking the safe, quote-unquote, <laughs> of the yegg. Right. <laughs> Now, the reason why this was a hobo job was because the escape was made all the more simpler when you had a knowledge of trains. Because mm. while horses could be run down, jumping on a train got you far away from the bank fast. But then you were all stuck on a track. You were and you know where the train's going. <laughs> yeah, but you can jump off whenever you want. Yeah, but if you don't know that the hobo hopped on the train, then you don't know where to send the word. Yeah. yeah. I know where hobos are, though, at the same time. You're, you get a roustabout. You get a couple of loose lip eggs. You <laughs> sure. can find out where these hobo burgers oh, are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But as cars got to be more common and faster, and as paved roads and road signs became more prevalent, bank robbery hit an all-time high in the wide-open spaces of Texas during the 20s. Ooh. Between 1920 and 1927, there were 140 successful bank holdups and burglaries in Texas. And out of those 140, only 30 ended with the capture of the perpetrators. Mm, I knew we shouldn't have named our bank Come and Get It Bank. <laughs> God damn it. But well, it's fun because it's get it with the I. You got to get that money. So the Texas Bankers Association started putting out bounties. It started with a $500 reward specifically for dead bank robbers Whoa. who were killed in the process of robbing banks. Because the Bankers Association refused to pay for a living bank robber even if that bank robber was convicted. I wish that we could also form our own police force. Because yeah. the banks just made their own police. Can mm-hmm. we just have podcast police? <laughs> yeah, we can do that. We, we can go arrest people, give us one-star reviews yeah, on iTunes, go find them and wake them up from their homes, yeah. and put them in big caravans with a bunch of weird, like, penguins on the side of it, and Aww. circus people doing like, <laughs> weird, like, flips next to it, all while I'm singing a song with my big umbrella. Yeah, you've really <laughs> thought that out. I love that. Absolutely. Then, in 1927, the TBA, increased the bounty to $5,000 for a corpse per dead bank robber. Remember, it was specifically dead bank robbers. I mean, it's kind of crazy to others a sentence. You might see a corpse. What I see is money. Yeah. It's money. Well, that naturally led to crooked cops working with criminals who would trick 
dumb criminals into robbing banks so the cops could shoot them dead on the scene and the cops would split the money with the criminals who set the whole thing up. Yep. It's All business. Right. It's business, it, yeah. 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 It's, absolutely. it's business. And there were plenty of lawmen that were against this idiotic bounty policy. Right. You know, especially Frank Hamer, who we'll talk about in the next episode. And we actually got all this information from The Life and Times of Frank Hamer, uh, which Carolina read. It's apparently an awesome fucking book. Very cool. But despite lawmen being totally against this policy, guess when it was rescinded? Uh, 2025. <laughs> I'm fairly certain this still happens right now. <laughs> well, I mean, even though they later modified it to say dead or alive, it stayed in effect until 1964. Wow. <laughs> Very fun. So although I don't know for sure if this was why Bonnie and Clyde stayed away from Texas, it might be a was, reason why they stayed yeah, away. It seems but like also, it was dry then. I mean, they bit. seem to have a natural understanding that if we drive as far away as possible from our home base, the less likely it is that they could pin us on the crimes, mm-hmm. right? And also Texas, uh, maybe then I start th- putting my little detective cap on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Texas is a big state. You actually move to smaller states, so it's easier to cross state lines. Ah, that's actually a, probably a much better, yeah. That's yeah. a very good idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah, pretty good. It's pretty good. criminal mastermind. <laughs> Look at me, man. Criminal mastermind. I didn't pay my taxes for four years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and also, they were getting more nationwide notoriety. Yeah. I yeah. would suppose. Yeah. But Clyde's former partner, Raymond Hamilton, still risked Texas bank robberies, Mm. although it wasn't a bank robbery that eventually brought him down. Hamilton had been robbing banks in Texas with two dudes named Les Stewart and Gene O'Dare. I like more Stewart better, but Les Stewart's fine. Hey, people wonder, is it a bad O'Dare or is it a good O'Dare? But they tell you what, uh, every time, it is a bad O'Dare. Wow, man. Just professionals. (laughs) Professional podcasters. Well, unlike Bonnie and Clyde, Les Stewart, Gene O'Dare, and Raymond Hamilton were actually good at bank robbing. Mm. But Raymond had a big mouth. And while Raymond was back home in Bay City, Michigan, at an ice skating rink one night, he started bragging to a girl that he was one of the most notorious criminals in all of Texas. Yeah, I'm, uh, hey, I don't want to brag, but, uh, I'm wanted for rape. It's <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's really going to, uh, make a woman fall in love with him. Yeah. Being like a felon. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the girl, like, in- instead of being super impressed she went straight to the cops ah uh, yeah yeah and, that happens yeah and raymond was chased down there at the ice skating rink while he was still wearing his ice skates oh, he tried running is, away on his ice skates fucking embarrassing it's like <laughs> tanya harding oh that is so funny eventually he was extradited and sent to texas to answer for the murder of john butcher well remember clyde and raymond didn't like each other at all. But Clyde also knew that Raymond Hamilton hadn't been anywhere near that murder. Raymond Hamilton only looked like the guy who'd actually pulled the trigger. So Clyde, even though he hated him, felt obliged to save Raymond Hamilton. This Mm. is a part of his whole weird honor system. Clyde Barrow had this idea of being a quote-unquote honest criminal, which is being like, well, well, I I do declare I don't believe he should be serving time for murder because he had nothing to do with it, and as far as Clyde Barrow's concerned, I'm going to bust him out because there's a part of him that does believe in being the folk hero that people are painting him to be. So Mm. on some level, this... 
this image of him, he will try to grow and fill. Mm. Where Bonnie, for me, she already was. Yeah. Like as you'll you'll see as it goes too, her addition to the crime gang was actually really important. But before mm. that break could even be attempted, the Barrow Gang again needed members and capital. Yes. So. When Bonnie and Clyde returned to West Dallas for a visit, they were happy to hear that a Barrow family friend, W.D. Jones, wanted to join the gang. W.D. was the son of Tookie Jones, huh. who was Kumi Barrow's best friend. Who's naming these people? <laughs> what is happening? It is all about naming. Basically, they go to a bakery, they pick the weirdest shaped cookies, and then they name them after those cookies. <laughs> <laughs> W.D. worshipped Clyde, and every time Clyde came home, W.D. was waiting with a fresh pile of license plates hoarded for Clyde to take out on the road for switch-out jobs on stolen cars. This would be the best part about having a bunch of foster kids. You come home to all these new license plates, all these, like, you know, like toilet wine. Right, yeah. I think you have a gross misunderstanding of what a good foster parent should do. (laughs) Yeah, man, I'm not a parent. (laughs) But W.D. was only 16 years old. Oh, wow. Mm. These are all children. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, Bonnie and Clyde, they were only 22. Right. But also, at 22... You could have a, a, a literally an entire farm, five kids, <laughs> oh, seven yeah. dogs. Yeah, back in those days, people grew up a little bit faster. Sure. But even so, Clyde was skeptical of the idea when W.E.D. brought it up on Christmas Eve, 1932. But after thinking about it a second, Clyde figured W.E.D. might be an asset, so he brought him into the fold. All that was needed now was an initiation to see if W.D. could handle it. Spanking machine! <laughs> spanking machine! Oh, I gotta get all... I gotta get kerosene for my spanking machine. Ooh. So, on Christmas morning, Clyde took W.D. out to Temple, Texas, and told him they were gonna rob a grocery store together. But when the two of them walked through the door armed with handguns, W.D. seized up, just started shaking his head no. Like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So Clyde called him a coward. And when, when they got out to Bonnie in the car and told her what happened, Bonnie just laughed at him. <laughs> She's got, I mean, honestly, it's just the most charming response. Of like, like you, you poor child. She's just like, I wanted to do good. Oh, Bonnie. Yeah. And it was at this point, W.D. very quickly figured out that he was not not cut out for a life of actual crime. It yeah. was a lot of fun to steal license plates, but sure. when it came when it came to pointing a gun in some poor old lady's face who was working the counter at a grocery store, WD is like, "No, nah, I don't. I do not have it in me to do this." Right. And I think that was important for Clyde Barrow to show him. And, and uh, unfortunately, just being like, "This is the actual life. Yeah. If you want to do this shit, you got to hop in." While we're going 70 miles per hour, you have to fucking catch up right now. Yeah, exactly. And but the thing is, though, is that like. Clyde had other plans in mind. Uh-oh. Yeah. And those plans would change WD's life forever. For the better? <laughs> Is it for the better? <laughs> yeah. chance. WD he... went on to make the very popular exercise machine, the Bowflex. No kidding. <laughs> Interesting. Well, Clyde said that WD wasn't going home without at least stealing something. So Clyde told him to steal a Model A car that was parked in front of the Barrow-stolen Ford V8. And most likely, Clyde did this just to be a dick. Yeah, man, you gotta fucking, you gotta roast this dude. He's gotta <laughs> yeah. handle it. He was in roast mode. Model A's and Model T's were notoriously hard to steal because they didn't start with just a simple turn of a key. With Model A's and Model T's, you had to use this big, noisy crank, and the whole thing was a complicated, multi-step 
process. Mm. Yeah, you got the, you got to get the the majigger going, and then you got the, <laughs> yep. the fuel base pumped, and then you got to right. do the, the 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 nipple shaft. Yeah. Yep, you got to hit it three times. You got to say a prayer. <laughs> yeah, you got to do certain things. Yeah. yeah, it's like that scene in East of Eden. It's like a ten minute scene in that movie mm-hmm. where they're showing him how to start a Model T. Yeah, no, that, that movie is just really good. <laughs> it is, just, and I'll tell you what, mile a minute, laugh a minute, yeah. absolutely fascinating film. Absolutely. Well, of course, once WD got to working on stealing the car with Clyde standing right next to him, calling him a fucking idiot the whole time, the owner of the car, a man named Doyle Johnson, saw him doing it and walked towards WD and Clyde. Hey, what are you doing out there? Get away from my car. Of course. Yeah. And Johnson got Clyde in a stranglehold, and although nobody knows for sure who pulled the trigger, Uh-oh. it was probably Clyde. And a second later... Dole Johnson had a bullet in his spine and was dead before the day was done. Whoa. And with that, WD couldn't go home anymore. Or at least he's that's... He's now in. He's in. Or at least that's what Clyde told him. Of course, because now you're connected to Clyde. He just did a murder, and he needs gang members. Yeah. And he needs right. people that are, are... You have to be familyed in. There's a part of you that has to be... You have to have no choice... <clears throat> But to join the gang, because if you leave, the stakes are too high. That's right. what that's buys gang loyalty. Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's the old Jeffrey Epstein rule of yes. politics. <laughs> yes, The shush, shush club, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the other thing about it, though, is that uh, Clyde, the reason why Clyde and Raymond Hamilton always butted heads is because Clyde and Raymond Hamilton were equals. Like, they were right mm. on the same level. Uh, WD would do whatever the fuck Clyde told him to do. He must have oh, been scared Cl- shitless, man, yeah. honestly. No, you need an assistant, man. Yeah, Clyde always wanted to be in charge. Mm. He was always in charge, it's for almost, better or worse. It's almost like small people... <laughs> it's almost like they have a complex. <laughs> like, ouch, 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 I kill you. missed the safety of New York. <laughs> well, the thing is that nobody had recognized Clyde and WD. No one knew who the fuck they were. In fact, it was seven months before anyone was charged with that murder, and they ended up charging someone else altogether. That's some poor the, motherfucker that was just had just some town guy. That is the saddest part of all of this shit. Is like all these innocent people mm-hmm. that were just arrested for no reason. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, the wake of shit that followed Bonnie and Clyde is wide and deep. But that's and as it goes, <laughs> <laughs> Why I just imagine. You up to your nipples in shit, just yeah. like look at me, look at me, as you're like you're running towards a pile of beer. Yeah, like that video we used to play on the live show. Oh, the guy in the septic tank in the rubber suit. <laughs> oh, but as time goes, you see that like again, it just gets bigger and bigger. The problems get bigger and bigger yeah. as they go. Yeah. And there's really nothing for them to do at some point. Mm-hmm. They're leaning in. Yeah. yeah. But either way, WD was now a full member of the gang, whether he liked it or not. Oof. And yet another character in the melodrama that was Bonnie and Clyde's life was about to be introduced. See, Clyde hadn't forgotten about Raymond Hamilton, and his best idea to bust him out of jail was to smuggle a radio full of hacksaw blades inside. <laughs> and you know, it's it's like they, they get this radio and it doesn't work. They're like, oh, we might want to check this radio for hacksaw blades. And Raymond's like, no, no, no. I, I, no, it's, it's a radio for dogs. Uh-huh. And I have just the right ear. And if you... <laughs> yeah. Woo, no, don't even say anything. I want to hear my favorite song. Uh huh. Now, what song? What song is that you're listening to there, Raymond? Oh, you can hear the trumpets if you I, just, I, just, if you just, just listen. Hard at the same time, though, 
a robber named Odell Chambliss was Ooh. on the loose in Dallas, and the person tasked with capturing Odell was Sheriff Smoot Schmid. Oh, right. <laughs> Who also was one of the leads on Fraggle Rock. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Smoot's real name was Richard, but for some reason, he got the nickname of Smoot because he was six foot five. Oh, Ben Smoot Kissel. Yeah, Smoot. This so big old Smoot. Sense. Smoot. But Smoot. Hey, Smoot. Smoot. You look like a big jangly Smoot. What the hell is a Smoot? <laughs> a guy who makes his shit so bad, it literally runs us out of an entire apartment. Like, you almost just did. Yeah, you guys have been bitching them out. You know what, guys? We're not bitching. We're worried. Hey, tell it to my doctor, okay? <laughs> I would if I had a I number. would. I have a doctor. You do? Yes, my brother My brother set me up with an appointment. Oh, when? wow. You've been After saying that back for from Australia. four months. I missed the first one. He was... <laughs> And, but now I'm going to go to this one. He's right, got to see. He's got to check your oils. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, Smoot had been elected on a law and order campaign, and law and order was what he was going to have, even though his previous job had been the owner of a crooked bicycle shop, <laughs> uh, which had no problem buying stolen bikes. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. Yeah. But Smoot had fixated on Odell Chambliss, and Odell Chambliss was known to be a regular visitor to Raymond Hamilton's sister, Lillian, mm. who had been given the job of smuggling the hacksaw radio into jail. Okay. You can always trust a Lillian to help you with crimes, always. and I really do believe that. A Lillian is a very clever... Mm -hmm. Shrewd woman. Mm -hmm. I met a Lillian at the Felice Brothers concert. By the way, shout out to the Felice Brothers. They're big time listeners. Are you serious? I actually went to buy a t-shirt uh, after the concert. They were phenomenal. And I said, I listen to you guys on the road all the time. I'm Ben with Last Podcast on the Left. And he freaked out. And he was wonderful. And it was super sweet. And we gave each other hugs. What? I so, love yeah. the Felice Brothers. I'm also a big fan. Was it the were... tuba player? It, he had an he was an accordion player. Oh, phenomenal. I mean, yeah. they, they really are super, super talented. And my grandmother's name was Lillian as mm. well. And was I she met clever? She used to. Uh, but no, she helped. Was yeah, she, no, not, she helped his no, grandmother hide his crimes. <laughs> First of all, <sighs> no, that is my Oma, uh, whose name I actually it's Bengt Eric. Uh, no, it's Bengta. Her name is Bengta, and my father's name is Bengt. Isn't uh, that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. Lillian <laughs> used to hide. <laughs> This is the point. No, I know my grandmother was very sweet. She used to dr get the boys drunk off of gin until the day she died. Nice. Yep. Well, unfortunately for Smoot Schmidt, though, Bonnie and Clyde were delivering that radio to Lillian on the day that Smoot had planned an ambush to capture Odell at Lillian's house. Hmm. And before the raid was over, Deputy Malcolm Davis was dead from a shotgun blast from Clyde's gun. Oh. It was Clyde's second murder in two weeks. And the only thing he gained from this one was an implacable new enemy in Smoot Schmidt. And Smoot had a, quite a few choice words to say about Bonnie as well. He called her a tough two-gun girl who is as tough as the back end of a shooting gallery. Smoot, you're going crazy, man. <laughs> oh, shit. That's just shit. <laughs> but honestly, Bonnie loved this shit. Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Do you think two-gun girl... Is that, like, code for gang bang? I, it might be, because that's what they said. That was a... The one thing about Bonnie that she got really upset about was her portrayal in the newspapers at some point was because they called her a venereal disease-ridden strumpet. Yeah. Oh, and a, my. A part of it is this concept that the she would have to be to run with all of these criminal gangs, and she would essentially sexually service mm -hmm. the entire gang. That was kind of a presupposed idea of her role. 
I don't know if Bonnie was doing all of that. No, no. she was a one-man woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bonnie wasn't doing all that. Her sister, uh, according to uh, Frank Hamer's book, uh, or according to the book about Frank Hamer, uh, her sister did kind of have that role. Hell in yeah. The gang. yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. In well, fact, uh, Clyde had to send her home because all of the gang members were fighting over her. Well, that makes a lot of sense. The problem is that, that then you, you know, that does make a lot of sense because technically it brings up morale up to a point, yes. but then morale gets too peaked, too erect, and then morale begins to affect the entire company. I feel like that book must have been written by a Texan. Yeah. Because Texas <laughs> Texas men gossip more than the chicks on the view. Oh. Like they my love their gossip. God. The te- Texas men like Texas Cowboys, you will never find a more fashion conscious group oh, of yeah. gossips in yeah. the entire country. Roy's belt buckle was on all weird. I didn't even tell him. <laughs> <laughs> well, unlike many who underestimated Bonnie just because she was a woman, Schmidt rightly pegged her as a fully functioning member of the gang. Mm. Because see, while Bonnie only fired a gun a few times, she was still right there alongside Clyde during the smaller robberies, and she was behind the wheel more than a few times when it came to a getaway. Really? But after the Malcolm Davis murder, Bonnie, Clyde, and W.D. began living the lifestyle they'd come to be known for over the years, sticking up gas stations and grocery stores around Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, and Missouri. Okay. And really, despite having at least three murders directly attached to him, nobody was permanently on Bonnie and Clyde's trail at this point. The way Gwen put it, they used their screwdriver to switch out plates on stolen cars a hell of a lot more than they used their guns. Hmm. Bonnie even started wearing high heels all the time because they never really had to run anywhere anymore. Just like J. Edgar Hoover. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? But that's what, because then they can really dress the part because at this point they're really feeling it. After the shootout at the safe house where where they ended up doing the final murder, I mean, one of the murders that Clyde Barrow actually did himself that night where it's like they're really feeling it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd murdered four or five people at this point. Damn. Um, And I think all around, like, I think as a result of the Barrow gang, I think at this point, it's either seven or eight, uh, and Clyde had murdered four or five of those himself. Okay. Uh, they even formed like a little family unit. Bonnie and Clyde called each other Honey and Daddy. Yeah. Daddy's got to wear its daddy hat. And yeah. Honey's got to wear her honey panties. That's, oh God. And WD got the unimaginative nickname of Boy. Yep. <laughs> so it's daddy, honey, and boy? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, bu- and uh, buddy, and WD called him uh, Sis and Bud. Okay. Yeah. Which Sis is a pretty, that's a pretty common nickname in Texas. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's how you know how to, that's how you know who to have sex with. No. Oh, he's going to literally jump across the table. <laughs> no, Not they don't. All I know. Texans. I know. Buddy. Texans actually are probably the least people to do a lot of sister fucking. It's more um, than in other places, yeah, right? That's it's like a, that's Mississippi. More the, that's more of the deep south. Although I did know at least <laughs> two guys. Hey man, who, so uh, I wasn't got that off. Caught, I? Got caught banging their sisters. Hey yeah. man, you spend a long time with some types of sisters. <laughs> and what are you gonna do? Look at all those nuns. Nuns are always fucking each other. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Well. At this time, about the only real trouble that Bonnie and Clyde got into was when they kidnapped a policeman named Purcell in Springfield, Missouri. But all he had to say about him was that Bonnie had a filthy fucking mouth. That's so funny. And that is what everyone said about Bonnie is that, oh, she, that woman could cuss up a storm. That's what's awesome, though. Again, she's, she's bucking. She's trying to 
at this point in time, she's bucking all stereotypes about women and what they're so what is societally acceptable for. Yeah. Her. So Unfortunately, I, she's still attached to many murders. I know. I'm not saying <laughs> it's cool. I'm not saying because well, you can't cool. turn Bonnie into like a feminist icon. I know. It's that. she's still attached to a lot of. Murders. I don't know. I, I actually know. saw she was wearing an RGB shirt during one of the robberies. Whoa. Yeah, so. She's still encouraging Clyde to keep murdering this yes. whole time. Uh, yeah. So we can't get we can't fall too much in love with Bonnie Parker. Here. Well, love is never bad. Yeah. Unless it ends in murder. Yeah. Okay. I, man, free speech trail. Click. How do you like it? I hate it. How do you here. like it? You know, Bonnie and Clyde still came back to see their flat families plenty as well. Uh, they'd always swing through Texas at least once a month, if not more. Clyde would throw the Coke bottle, and Cumi would call Emma Parker and Tookie Jones and give them the code. Hmm. The code was. I'm fixing red beans. <laughs> You're fixing red beans. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm fixing red beans. And yeah. when I say I'm fixing red beans, it means by hemorrhoid popping. <laughs> Good lord. And then the whole family would get together in some isolated park outside of Dallas and they'd all have a good time. It is sweet though that the family unit is still there. Family unit is very strong. And, yeah. and so they like they they knew what was happening, right? Oh yes. They had to know. Yeah. Right. They, so. Well, Clyde would always talk to him about the murders. Like we'd come back and he's like, Yep, another guy got killed. But Clyde would also Never take responsibility for any of them. Uh, he would always, always distance someone himself. else's fault. He that's how he always lived. Is that mm-hmm. he he distanced himself, and it was basically to save Kami's mind. Where it's like he wanted to make Cuban. sure she. I sure. You go either way, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> but he wanted to. It's interesting how they go through all of this shit, but they don't want to disappoint their parents. Yeah, yeah. I'm fixing red beans. Also, <laughs> sounds like a like a really nice vintage comedy record. Yeah, like a Red Fox or something. <laughs> they were always named after just a mundane thing that people. But this good period only lasted about three months before it all went to shit permanently. In March of 1933, Buck Barrow, Clyde's older brother, got a full pardon from the new Texas governor, Miriam Ma Ferguson, who was actually serving her second term after spending a couple of years out of office. Ma Ferguson, the second female governor in the United States. No kidding! Wyoming had the first... And actually, the woman in Wyoming beat Ma Ferguson by only 10 days. No kidding. 1925, only five years after the, uh, after the, uh, after women got the vote. Now, Ma Ferguson was like a massive figure in Texas history, correct? Very corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know, they were proud of Ma Ferguson, but yeah, Ma, Ma Ferguson and her husband, Pa Ferguson, Ah. uh, were both extremely, extremely corrupt, but we'll get into them more on yeah. episode three, Texas go- female Texas governors are we the most two. badass people. <laughs> Ann Richardson. It's a great documentary on Ann. It was Ann Richardson, Ann, right? No, just Richards. Just Ann, Ann Richards. Oh my God, she yeah. was so oh, oh, scary. Ann Richards scary. was fantastic. She was the governor when I was a kid. Everyone looked up to Ann Richards. Everyone loved Ann Richards uh, until Carl Rove started the lesbian whisper campaign, but and she that was, sunk her uh, career. She was one of those people who'd be like, "I'll take your balls, put them in a pickle jar," and everyone's like, <laughs> "She is funny." <laughs> <laughs> and Democrat as well. Yeah. Well, Buck was starting to feel bad about leading his little brother into a life of crime oh so many years ago with all the chicken and turkey theft. That's right. Yeah, because it was Buck that had brought Clyde along. You yeah. know, yep. and it was Buck that was like, hey, maybe you ought to start stealing cars. Yeah, yeah. So Buck, having already turned himself in and finished his time, he figured it was his job to convince Clyde to do the same. Mm. But Clyde... He wasn't going to do that shit because if he turned himself in, 
he was going to the chair. Oh. But Clyde suggested that they all take a vacation together anyway. Buck figured this was his only shot. It may be convincing his brother, figured maybe if I spend a couple weeks with him, I can wear him down. So Buck agreed. Now, Buck's wife, Blanche, wanted no part in this vacation because Bonnie, Clyde, and W.D. were, family or not, Wanted murderers. Yes, they are actual, not just wanted murderers, they are murderers. Yes. Right. And th- this vacation seems to be, it would be uh, really upsetting, and it oh, seems to yeah. be they'd go on vacation, but you know what they'd find? It's nothing, nothing but, but trouble. trouble. Nothing but trouble. <laughs> and speaking of nothing but trouble, I hope you all enjoyed our interview with Dan Aykroyd last yeah. week on Sod Stories. Oh, wish I would have It was a pleasure and an honor to speak with that man. But the thing was, is that Buck said he was going to go with or without Blanche. So she, along with her little dog Snowball, Aww. agreed to go. Aww. Now, at first, the vacation was a great time. Beer had just become legal again. Whoa! So the brothers bought a case every night and had a little bit of fun while Blanche cooked Clyde his favorite meal. English peas with plenty of cream. You love creamy peas, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the best part about cream peas, yeah. it's already shit when you yeah. eat it. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> Makes it easy on the digestion. And Bonnie and Clyde even had a little photo shoot. It was during this vacation that Bonnie and Clyde posed for the pictures that would make them truly famous. Mm. The first picture was Bonnie playfully pointing a gun at Clyde's belly while Clyde just laughed and laughed. (laughs) They're having a great time. (laughs) They're having a great time. The other, though, was a Bonnie putting her foot up on the car's bumper with two six-shooters strapped to her belt and a cigar hanging from her teeth. Mm. Although... Bonnie only had the cigar there for show. Because at the time, it became it was very controversial because women were not supposed to openly smoke. And so it was you're supposed to kind of like keep it to the side. Mm-hmm. But Bonnie put the cigar in her mouth, but then it would haunt her for the rest of her days because she got mad because she, people thought that she smoked and she didn't want people to think that she smoked. Oh, well, come she on. smoked cigarettes, but not cigars. No. Oh, all right. Cigars make you sick. I don't like cigars. Uh-huh. I like them. Really? Yeah, it's nicotine. Of course I like them. Yeah. yeah, but you're not supposed to inhale it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. But... In the destination that the Barrows chose, Joplin, Missouri, they had made a fatal error. Now, it wasn't that the law was specifically looking for the Barrow gang in Joplin, Missouri, because they weren't. Instead, the law in Joplin was just on high alert at all times, because even though beer was legal again, liquor was still very much illegal under the Volstead Act, which enforced the prohibition of recreational alcohol use. Hmm. As a result, cops were on the lookout for bootleggers, and Joplin, Missouri was a hotbed of specifically that sort of illegal activity. What that meant was that suspicious behavior got more attention there than it might have in other places, and the Barrow Gang was inherently suspicious. Mm. Now, it wasn't the robberies that Buck and Clyde committed together in the Joplin area to fund this vacation that got the attention of cops, as Buck's vow to go on the straight and narrow only lasted about three weeks out of prison. Oh. Nor was it the armory the Barrow Boys robbed, which resulted in several new BAR rifles for the gang's arsenal. What got the Barrow gang were the small things. The first incident came when a BAR went off while Clyde was cleaning it in the garage of the apartment they were renting. That has got to be frightening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you should always unload the gun. Make sure the gun is unloaded before you clean it. That's rule number one. Nah, yeah. man. Don't be a nerd. <laughs> yeah. But this spray of gunfire alerted the neighbors, and the neighbors called the cops. And when the cops came to look-see, they noticed that the car parked in the garage had been 
backed in, which was a common tactic for criminals who might have need of a fast getaway. Oh. And guess what? You don't need to do it when you're just in a parking garage. There's one thing that maybe makes me almost die of a, a brain aneurysm hmm. is when people are trying to park in the middle of a public parking space and they back into the space. You're not robbing a bank. You just go to the mall. You don't got to do it. And you interrupt the flow. You drop the flow out of people coming to the parking garage. Well, this is kind of an old old person grievance, huh? This is, this is the hill. That's, wow. So police planned a raid, thinking they were about to take down a few run-of-the-mill bootleggers. They had no idea they were about to face the Barrow Gang, newly armed with high-powered rifles. Woo! The tragedy here is that Buck and Blanche were about to go back to West Dallas that day. Blanche needed to get back to her job at the beauty salon, and Buck, as Gwen put it, was always more of a rascal than a rebel. <laughs> it's true. He was just kind of a good times guy, and he did little petty crimes for a while, but sort of the the, the true this thing about him was when he turned himself back in. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, that really was him. He yeah. wanted to go straight and narrow. And this is this is a part of what I think is more of the karmic inertia of their gang catching up to them, where they were just pulling out. Mm-hmm. They were just about to stop their vacation and go back on the road. Yeah. Yeah, Buck, yeah, after dipping his toe just a little bit in his brother's world, he was ready to get out. Like, he was like, I can't do this. I want a normal life. But it wasn't meant to be. On the day that everyone was packing up and ready to go their separate ways, Joplin police approached the house. The five-man squad tasked with the raid were armed only with low-caliber handguns, mm. and they arrived just as Clyde and WD were lowering the garage door, and the cops used two cars to block the two Fords parked inside. The first cop to rush the gang was County Constable Wes Harriman. He was just another dude trying to make ends meet by serving warrants, but as he tried ducking under the closing garage door, Clyde picked up a shotgun and fired, severing an artery in Harriman's neck. Officer Harry McGinnis opened fire next, clipping WD in the side, while Harriman bled to death on the ground. Mm. Clyde responded with another shotgun blast, which almost severed McGinnis's right arm from his body. Man, like, he, was, he was fast as shit. Dude. Yeah. Isn't that how they made RoboCop? <laughs> Isn't that literally what happened with RoboCop? Yes. They shot off his lips. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Officer DeGraff was the next to try his luck. Honestly, how, be ama- how amazing would it be if this turned into steampunk RoboCop? <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> DeGraff fired every bullet his gun had at Barrow and WD. Then DeGraff picked up McGinnis's revolver and fired some more. Now it was time for the gang to run, but their V8 was still blocked by one car and McGinnis's body. So under fire, Clyde pushed the car that was in the way and Buck dragged McGinnis's body to the other side, while the heavily bleeding WD covered him with suppressing fire. But it wasn't enough. Clyde was shot in the chest before he could get the car completely clear, but through an extraordinary piece of luck, the bullet hit a metal button on Clyde's shirt, and the button absorbed most of the impact. Whoa! Like, later, like, Bonnie dug the bullet out with a hairpin. <gasps> <laughs> but also, Clyde Whoa. Barrow is going to be known from there on out, too, of having what he's called sort of a sixth sense yeah. about what he said about the cops and the laws that he can kind of understand. He kind of felt in the back of his head when they were about to do it. And there's going to be many times where they're going to have near run ins with the police where they mm. just managed to squeak out. It's like he got bit by a criminal and became Spider Man. Radioactive criminals. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, finally, though, the whole gang loaded up into the sedan and just rammed the car blocking them out of the way and sped off without further resistance, although they did have to leave Snowball behind. Because Snowball ran off when the gunfire started. Yeah, Snowball's a goddamn narc. No, Snowball was a little scared. <laughs> but by the time the Barrows left Joplin, two cops were dead by their hands, mm. and as a result... Buck and Blanche were now on the run along with Bonnie, Clyde, and WD. Just just cut to Snowball showing up and one of the bodies just licking, <laughs> just licking the blood just a little bit. <laughs> You're not supposed to like that, Snowball. Yeah. Snowball, no! Snowball, <laughs> no! <laughs> Snowball! That's not to say the Barrow Gang came away unscathed. Although Clyde's wounds were superficial uh, and Buck had gotten bruised by some stray buckshot, WD got straight up shot. Mm. Since it was too risky to go to a doctor, Clyde used a tree branch wrapped in fabric to see if the bullet had gone through clean. <laughs> now you scream if this hurts too much, all right? And after poking the ad hoc medical device in one side of WD and out the other without any resistance, Clyde surmised the bullet had gone all the way through. Good news and bad news. No bullet in there, but now you're also Titus. Oh, man, I got a whole tree in me. Yeah, basically. But still, the only further medical treatment WD got... Big old bottle of aspirin. Aw, that's great. Okay. Aspirin was different back in the day, though. It was kind of like fucking oxy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And they had left behind one hell of a pile of evidence at the apartment in Joplin. Uh. This is how we'd know them. Yeah. That because of this, th- this bust, mm-hmm. this is how we'd fucking know every single thing mm. about Bonnie and Clyde. Now, besides the four BAR rifles, the shotgun, the Tommy gun, and the pistol, Blanche and Buck had left behind their marriage license and Buck's brand new pardon. Ah. Not good. No. No, Really bad, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Now, although that was what put Blanche and Buck in the jackpot, there was one more thing discovered at the house that would ensure Bonnie and Clyde would reach new heights of celebrity. A roll of film. Because they loved cameras, mm-hmm. and they loved taking pictures, Whoa. and they documented their entire trip. And also, they had their guitars. Mm-hmm. You know, they had trunks of bullshit that they were traveling with. Yeah. Jeez. See, before this, Bonnie and Clyde were mostly just names in print, because mm. the only picture anyone had of either of them was Clyde's mugshot. But now, the press had full reign to use pictures that would eventually become iconic. See, the reason why the pictures were so good was because they were objectively sexy. From looking at Bonnie and Clyde together, it was obvious that they were not only in love, it was also obvious they were fucking. Yeah, they fucking. They were like holding each other, fucking full throat laughing, like when you see two people at a restaurant where you know a good date is going, where they go, the ha ha ha. They were loving the shit, and they they looked good. Mm -hmm. They fucking in their suits, they looking fucking tight, and it became the lasting image of what you believe to be the most ultimate romantic criminals of all time. Mm -hmm. And if I may put it crudely and bluntly, when 1930s men saw the picture of Bonnie in such an unladylike pose with a cigar in her mouth didn't hurt that cigar looked like a big old cock yeah, yeah. Whoa. sometimes it looks like a big log of shit that's what happened with the dude in the wheelchair in the original texas chainsaw massacre Franklin? that's a cigar <laughs> i i didn't know what it was yeah. i didn't know that's what it was either yeah. i thought he was always chewing on a sausage no i think it's a cigar yeah. why are there cigars that people don't smoke huh? what is with the stogie that you just suck on an old wet I, I like chewing on a cigar. Ugh. Yeah, you get the nicotine. It's like chewing nicotine gum, but it's a big, fat, wet 
piece of shit it's a great way to market that well furthermore the crime magazines that are our forebears and they were just starting to become popular at this time you had magazines like like true detective mm. you had true crime which true crime magazine essentially named the genre of true crime they huh. now had the perfect images to go along with all of this awesome copy that bonnie and clyde were providing in short the pictures made celebrities out of Bonnie and Clyde, on par with the biggest movie stars of the day. They'd been known before, but now Bonnie and Clyde were a naughty sex fantasy come to life. Ooh. And it was. But I, I don't know. The car sex was probably pretty stanky. Yeah. But, it, but a lot of times it probably was a lot of fun. But WD, WD had to, like, look away. Yeah. They would still fuck. Well, well, they because you know after the movie came out, you know it was said that you know Clyde was impotent, uh, and WD actually like years later did an interview for Playboy magazine, uh, and they asked him it's like, D- was Clyde impotent? And WD was just like, no, <laughs> no, they. They had they they had sex. Yeah, dude. Right. Like, he saw every inch of it. <laughs> wow, all four foot four foot of them. Oh my! And suddenly, Bonnie Parker's face was being shown in movie theaters, but not as the matinee idol she'd always mm. wanted to be. Rather, Bonnie was now in the newsreels before the main picture. But Bonnie didn't care. She was in the theaters and in the magazines and in the newspapers and everyone thought that Bonnie and Clyde were rich and happy fucking when they pleased and killing who they liked. So now we can cue David Bowie's fame. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the fame. This is it. This is, it. This is uh. it. But in reality... It was just going to be misery from then on for the Barrow gang. Mm. And that misery would stretch until the end of their very short lives. And that's where we'll pick back up for the conclusion of Bunny and Clyde. I love this fucking story. It's crazy, man. It's so crazy. Good. You know what it is? Is that I was, but the last time I was like reading through the book, it begins to feel like a fever dream. Yeah. Of, mm. uh, there, cause a part of it's very anxiety reducing. Oh, yeah. Anxiety inducing, where you sort of feel like what it would be like to be with them on the mm. road and how hard it is and how paranoid it would get. But if you take this two and a half hour episode of this fucking epi- of this show, right? Non stop activity. Yeah. For Bonnie and Clyde. Mm. They did not stop after that first chase when they were in the mud and the mules they literally the the closest thing they had was that two-month vacation mm-hmm. but you're literally but even then they're still running all the time because they, they're still right. robbing places all the time yes they are ju- it is just this rolling sea of chaos yeah well be careful what you wish for because you just might get it mm-hmm. and this is i guess this is a strange master plan of theirs i guess yeah and the, <laughs> and the, fever, and the fever dream thing definitely works because uh. i mean because it at the same time it feels like it lasts forever and it feels like it lasted a day all at the same time. Like, time is completely out the window when it comes to talking about these guys. Because that's what you said, Henry, when you were first fucking uh, reading this. It's like, all of this feels like it happened in a day. It feels like they just, and they never went to sleep. Yeah. That it just kept rolling. But yeah. then that, that's why they kind of, the short burst of energy, I think psychically, it burns its way onto society. There's, some, there's something about the, the, the fact that it was so short-lived and so fast and furious is what allowed it to live until now. Now we're talking. 
talking about them as if they are they were fucking still alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like Motley Crue. I remember that behind the story, <laughs> behind the music. Mm. I like the Huey Lewis and the News one where they just basically said, yeah, we did drugs, but then we quit them, and now we all live in the same community together and barbecue every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. Body and Clyde Part 2. That was awesome. This story is so fucking trippy. Yeah, it's so much it's fun. It's weird that the movies missed the mark on everything yeah. because this, like, there's so much cool stuff in I there. I want to see but, the real Bonnie and Clyde movie. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think there was a really shitty like Amazon Prime show for just a little bit, mm. but I don't think it lasted too long and it no. looked real bad. It looked real bad. No. Like a lot of things from Amazon. Doesn't last you long. Yeah, I don't know. I I've had a really good time with my new coffee maker. It's been lasting for about a yeah, year. Yeah, you could have shopped at a different place other than Amazon for that coffee maker. I'm sure that there's websites that you could have gone to. I mean, the coffee maker store. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. So we are in Australia right now. Right now. And um, yeah, so we can't wait to see everyone. I believe Sunday we are in Perth, right? Yeah, Sunday. I think it's Sunday. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it is Sunday. Yeah, go look at our uh, website, lastpodcastsontheleft.com to see all of our Australia dates. We're only there like this week. Uh, yep. And we're not coming back. What? You, wow. wow. <laughs> as no, far uh, as we know. Not as far as we know. I'm just saying it to get, get, to, get him no, out get, to the get, Honestly, get, get I don't know. Maybe if, we'll come back to Australia. I don't know, but, but, I don't it's going to be a long time before we fucking come back. So if you want us to see, you want to check us out, come to Sydney. Yeah. Come to Perth. Buy these tickets. I'm really excited to fucking see you guys. Honestly, yes. and I am I'm nervous by the flight. Because yeah, we're about to go on it, but I'm really very excited to see what Australia has to offer. So we're not in Australia. You just outed me for lying. Well, they know we mentioned we were in beautiful sunny Los Angeles at the top of the show. Oh we did. my! God. We can't always lie. <laughs> <laughs> we actually don't have the ability to. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, the flight is going to be uh, interesting. I hopefully I'm alive by the end of it. I think I will be though. I, I think, think we'll so. all do it. You just need to get up and walk around. Yes, yeah. scare make, everyone on the flight. No, just go. make sure those clots don't. Don't fucking settle in. Ask uh-huh. a woman to massage your legs. Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> massage my legs. Deeper. You have to go deeper, deeper, deeper. <laughs> All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. And we also got a couple of fun dates to announce as well. Yeah, we got more dates in uh, August to announce. On uh, August 16th, we're going to Atlantic City. <laughs> I am looking forward to uh, Will We Live? Yeah, Will yeah, We but Live? He, yeah. I was just there with Puffin, my lucky charm. Blackjack and roulette came home with 1400 bucks, buddy. I think that you literally got a taste of the poison that is supposed to bring you back and kill you. Where the first taste, no, no. you're like, ooh, exotic. What is this? And that's the AC lie. That's the lie. It's fishing you in. <laughs> then on August 17th, we're going to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And on August 18th, we're going to Port Chester, New York. All right. Absolutely. Um, okay, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Hail yourselves! Hail Satan! Hail Gein! Magusolations! Hail me! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, bravo. 
He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Brabble. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer comparison of prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.